0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your coach, your guide on the side. Doing what we can on this program every day to give you a leg up on this crazy thing we call Earth. You know, none of us came with, a, with an owner's manual, did we? We have to kind of figure that one out. And today we've got some great guests that are, are going to help us sort through um, some pretty interesting topics. First of all, coming up in a bit, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. Should you really worry about the Terminator coming back and taking over? What about the day when your blender owns you <laughs> or your fridge starts to take over? Are you worried about artificial intelligence? Is it possible that all of our machines, our equipment, our technology could get to the point where it's running the show? Well, we've got – we're going to take on that idea. I certainly hope not um, because for a bunch of us that can't even run our VCRs and even still have a VCR, we'd be in a world of hurt if our computers actually became so literate that they could take us over. Boy, that would not be a good sight – to see, We'll be talking with Dr. Michael Littman from Brown University. He's going to talk about his view about the odds of that happening. Not say, he's saying not very good. You're, you're probably not going to ever get to a point where technology is going to just take over. Now, it doesn't mean we might not have a bad moment here and there. Maybe we'll shut down the grid. <laughs> That's possible. Maybe, you know, artificial intelligence could crash the economic world for a while. Stuff like that. But as far as completely being overrun by artificial intelligence, probably not going to happen. We're going to be talking with him then next, the next hour, hour number two of the show, we're going to be talking with uh, one of the great, I think, coaches of youth. Uh, Larry Gelwicks will be joining us. He um, was spotlighted in a movie called uh, Forever Strong and it's it's a movie about basically his rugby coaching in of one of the of one of the greatest programs I guess it's Little League rugby. Uh he his his statistics were incredible. 419 wins and 10 losses in about 35 year history. But his biggest goal was not to win championships but to build championship type kids. And uh, he's here today. He's going to be coming in and and talking to us about how to coach your kids, how to influence them, how to lead them to get results, which is a really interesting contrast to what we talked about yesterday with these millennials that a lot of people are wondering, uh, what's your deal? So now we might get some ideas on how to motivate them, how to to move these kids and some some insight. Uh, He has an organizational behavior background. He'll be talking to us as well. Hour number three of the program, we'll be talking with Dr. Michael Littman about empathy. And, you know, where do you get your your moral compass, right? Where do you get it, as we've talked recently also about the fact that fewer people are actually going to church, attending church. It's just not as big of a deal. So where on earth do you get your moral compass? His answer is empathy, perhaps. Being able to recognize the pain uh, of another person might be the best way to know what's right or wrong. But you got to see things from another person's perspective. We'll be talking with him in hour number three. All of this, by the way, matters. People matter. One of the reasons I am a big believer, it's not just going to be a point where computers and technology are going to take over because there's still this weird human factor. Today I walked into BYU Broadcasting Building, took about 10 steps in, and by the time I was in, realized that I was walking on a newly mopped floor and had tracked in, Dirt, just a little dirt. And right then I turn the corner and there's the guy mopping the floor. (laughs) Oh, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Now, we could have a computer. This is where like if you had a machine doing the floor, you just, yeah, a Roomba, you just kick the little Roomba and say, sorry, dude, get back to work. That would have been great. But instead I had this great guy and I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. And I was just stuck in the middle of the room. Do you keep walking? Do you? I'm like, ah, I'm so sorry. And he just looked at me. He's like, no, no problem, man. Really, no problem. Just work. You're good. Don't worry. And I, I don't know where to walk. Do I walk? Where do I go? Just wherever you want to. I'll clean it up. No big deal. Humans. You can't replace that. A good human being doing a great job. Anyway, great show for you coming up. Stick with us. We're now going to turn over to Kathy Aiken with our latest headlines. Kathy?
3: Good morning, Matt. Al Qaeda's number two leader was killed in a U.S. drone strike on Friday. Nasser al Wahashi, a former personal secretary to Osama bin Laden, had been targeted for many years. Al Wahashi was the leader of Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, Peninsula, or AQAP. He was hit by the drone in Yemen. AQAP is the terror group most capable of striking U.S. interests. Texas bracing for yet more rain and a lot of it. Tropical Storm Bill is expected to make landfall today. The National Weather Service predicts Parts of North Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma could get up to nine inches of rain over the next several days. Over the Memorial Day weekend, storms brought heavy flooding to Oklahoma and Texas, storms that killed more than 30 people. Five people are dead this morning after an apartment building balcony collapsed in Berkeley, California. At least eight others were injured. The balcony was on the fourth floor and collapsed during a birthday party, but no word on what caused the balcony's collapse. Jeb Bush made it official yesterday.
4: The presidency should not be passed on from one liberal to the next. The question for me is, what am I going to do about it? And I've decided I'm a candidate for president of the United States of America.
3: The 62-year-old Bush became the 11th GOP candidate to announce he's running for president. The former Florida governor vowed to take Washington out of the business of causing problems. Donald Trump will announce his intentions for the upcoming presidential race today. The last time Trump talked about entering the race, he backed out. But this go-round, he's prepared to release personal finance records, claiming he's worth up to $9 billion. Rachel Dolezal, the white woman who claimed she was black, stepped down from her post as the chapter president of the ACP in Spokane yesterday. Dolazel's parents came forward last week to say she was lying about being African-American.
2: Five to go. For the third time in six years, the Blackhawks are Stanley Cup champions.
3: That was NBC Sports with the call as the Chicago Blackhawks did it again, winning their third Stanley Cup title in six years. The Blackhawks shutting out Tampa Bay last night, taking the series in six games. The win the first time Chicago won the title on home ice in 77 years. Duncan Keith, by the way, became just the second defenseman to win the Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoff MVP. A win tonight in Cleveland, and the Golden State Warriors are the NBA champs for the first time in 40 years. The Warriors lead the best-of-seven series, three games to two. And Matt, with Father's Day coming up, I don't think Thomas Kenny will be getting the award for the best dad. The British man pleaded guilty to charges of conspiracy to defraud, and here's why. Kenny sent a look-alike to take a paternity test in hopes of not having to pay child support. According Uh, to the Birmingham Mail, Kenny was already a father of one when his longtime girlfriend was expecting number two, but he was having number three. What? was someone else and refused to pay child support, and when he was ordered to give a DNA sample... He sent another man I guess it looked like him but you know not
2: he at least he was smart enough not to send his brother.
3: <laughs> it could have been. Nobody knows who it's the a guy DNA is. DNA test. For but the good thing is he was sentenced to 6 months in prison. He deserves it. Pay totally. your child support. What kind
2: of dad does that? I don't
3: know. I mean, you know, just be out. like a
2: lot of the other dads that just don't pay it.
3: Well, how about not, you know, yeah, getting someone pregnant? That's how- my thing?
2: Oh man, see how technical. <laughs> You go Very right simple. You, you go know? right to the root just of the problem. Don't
3: do it. Just don't get in trouble. Isn't
2: that crazy though? I mean, you're dodging, you're going to spend all that energy to dodge the res- the the results instead of just spending that same amount of energy to not get there in the first
3: place. Exactly. Ooh. Yeah, go to the beginning. Let's let's be careful. What is
2: it a pound of prevention is worth an ounce of cure. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Good Maybe. job, Kathy. Well done, my friend. Thank you, Matt. Good stuff. Um Holy cow, though. Texas rain again. That's the last thing they need. In fact, our planes – I was on vacation in Cancun this week, and uh, we got – we had bad weather through Houston, and half of our group couldn't even make it home for another day. So uh, prayers go out to people in Texas, and Trump is in the game. Holy cannolis. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I guess we'll see. I mean it is going to make it more of a sideshow, I guess. He's he's got a lot of ideas and I think a lot of followers, but can he really pull at the deal? Can he can he really do it? Or is he just going to be in there kind of as a as a show? What do you think? I don't know. I mean to me it's a lot of the politics is a serious business and you you gotta be serious about it. So I don't know. We'll see, I guess. In the end, we will see. Maybe this would be the great, uh, you know, example or need for artificial intelligence. Coming up, we'll be taking a break, but after the break, we'll be discussing artificial intelligence. Is there really anything to fear about technology taking over your world? You know, you may lose a job, right? That could be obvious. But what about, you know, the Terminator world? Is that a possibility? Is it possible? that our computers, our technology could take over and, and dominate humans and life as we know it. We'll be talking with Dr. Michael Littman from Brown University up next on the topic of artificial intelligence. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, every science fiction fan knows uh, the Hollywood portrayed dangers, right, of robots and artificial intelligence eventually taking over the world. In fact, on July 1st, Terminator Genesis will be in theaters, a new release of another Terminator movie. It's about where the future machines will take over and decide to eliminate all human beings. And the, eventually, the entire world will be run by a Roomba <laughs> that's, that's unwilling to vacuum. And now the humans have to vacuum. Is this just all far fetched? Should we re- be worrying about it? People like Elon Musk, uh, from Tesla, Stephen Hawking, some of them have actually stated they're a little worried. We got to be careful of artificial intelligence and um, and make sure that, it you know, it's not going to take over. So we wanted to bring in a True Blue expert on that and to find out if we could be heading into a world controlled by artificial intelligence. With us today on the phone, uh, we have Dr. Michael Littman, professor of computer science and co-leader of Brown University's Humanity-Centered Robotics Initiative. He's here to help us understand a little bit more if there are any real true fears about artificial intelligence, Dr. Michael Littman, welcome to the program.:
0: Hi, yes, I'm sorry, I missed your introduction. Uh, uh, I was getting multiple radio signals in my ear oh, were you? at the same time. Can you
2: <laughs> hear us now, okay?
0: Yeah, everything okay. else went away, and I, and I heard uh, yeah, I heard you click through. Hi.
2: yeah good good to have you, Dr. Littman. We were just talking about, you know, is there a is, is this something we need to worry about the day that the little Roomba vacuum cleaner <laughs> eventually takes over and starts to dominate humans.
0: I, I don't think this is a this is a serious issue that we should be thinking a lot about right now. Um, I think there are, technology in our lives is a big deal, and I think there are lots of issues that we should be we should be worried about, and we should be thinking about, and we should be planning and. Um, but, yeah, the idea that, uh, that a you know, a computer that we built for a particular purpose is going to suddenly realize, hey, you know what would be much better is if we could just get rid of all these people. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just – it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me.
2: Well, and, and explain it because, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking and uh, Elon Musk, they're involved in a, in a group that I know you've kind of uh, been familiar with um, where they kind of – they're trying to protect – I guess how we're going about creating artificial intelligence to ensure certain things don't happen, but it, just the mere fact that they have that idea that something, some things could happen, it almost makes it seem like it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite jump to that conclusion. So this is, um, I think, a lot of this comes from a, a, a book called Superintelligence by um, by a Professor Bostrom and what um, the argument that he makes is that we have a lot of technology now that is moving toward a notion of intelligence or intelligence augmentation and that if this were to somehow be turned in upon itself in a kind of a recursive self-improvement kind of way, mm-hmm. that it could bootstrap itself into what they refer to as superintelligence. This sort of idea that you know, like people smarts, but much even more so. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's this a tremendous amount of thought that's gone into what happens to the world after this has this has taken place. You know, after this intelligence explosion. Has uh, has happened? Where where does that leave humanity? And, and what are the what are the issues that come from that? And they've thought very long and hard about what those concerns might look like and what the world might look like. But I think this this whole notion that there's going to be an intelligence explosion where um, where these, you know, these machines are, are able to self-improve, they're able to kind of feed their results back into themselves, doesn't doesn't really hold a lot of water. I mean, this is this is a I think due to a, a, a lack of understanding about what intelligence is and uh, certainly about the difference between competence and will, right? So the systems at this point don't really have a will of their own. They're not trying to accomplish anything. Right. If they, were, if they happen to be super intelligent and they happen to have some kind of specific goal that they were trying to achieve, the argument is that this could be very dangerous because um, of a concept that they refer to as convergent instrumental goals, which is the idea that, Boy, you know, if you're trying to accomplish something that maybe and, – and you're, and you're extremely powerful, the best way to do it is to control everything, control huh. all the resources, uh, eliminate variables. And that's the concern is the idea that if these systems became so powerful and had something that they wanted to accomplish, they could judge us as being in the way. But these are huge ifs, right? Yeah, right. That we have, have made no progress on really in, in – you know. Hundreds of
2: years. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we also th- we assume, though, that, OK, so if you have the, the supercomputers that are capable of, of constantly evaluating and learning, or maybe learning is not the, the, the point, but would they not be able to eventually figure out will? I mean, I, I guess that's the point of all of this is this is so far down the road. We're we're really putting the cart before the horse.
0: Well, that's, that's definitely one of the concerns that I have, that, that um, a lot of these folks are trying to move towards effective ways of, of dealing with this threat when we, abso- we have absolutely no idea what the shape of the threat right. is and when it's likely to happen. I feel like we'll, you know, if we were living in a world where we could build computer systems that were that powerful, we'd know a lot more about how to control them too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine controlling something that you just haven't ever specified yet. The, one of the analogies I like to think about is, you know, imagine that we want to try to create airbags which is a great you know, safety precaution for automobile travel. But we haven't quite figured out what cars are yet. <laughs> right? So the shape of that, yeah. that invention is going to be very difficult to specify.
2: Yeah, so what, why do they do it? Why are they trying to control it this early?
0: Well, so, so one of the arguments is that the stakes are extremely high. So, so if, even if this is an extremely low probability event, it would, it would potentially have a very big impact on on humankind and our future development. And so uh, some, a lot of these folks are thinking, okay, look, if you, if you think of not just the human beings that are alive today, but you think of all that humanity might accomplish into the future, you know, if we mess this up and have an existential threat, something that actually eliminates humanity, it's not just us that's gone. It's all our, you know, all our progeny, all our future is going away as well. So, so they want to argue that a low probability event, if it has that much impact, is something that's worth some thought. And I, and I don't disagree with the idea that it's worth some thought. I, what I'm mostly concerned about is this idea that this is, you know, a, a, an imminent threat and something that a lot of people need to be concerned about in their day-to-day lives. It's, it's just much more abstract and much more uh, far off than that.
2: Well, and you, do, you deal with this every day in your work, right? You're the co-leader of Brown's Humanity-Centered Robotics Initiative. What, what are you trying to do there at Brown? So so
0: I think and I think, I think a lot of people are very aware of this idea that that technology is extremely powerful and has had a big impact on our lives, even independent of of the idea that it beca- could become you know super intelligent and try to off us yeah. um, <laughs> there's certainly the idea that that people's lives as as they are now have changed um, you know I've, folks Some folks are spending way too much time just kind of plugged into their virtual lives and not really spending enough time on their real life lives hmm. and so um you know, we we worry about this this notion that um, it, to the extent that we can automate many jobs, does that make it so that people won't have anything to do anymore? And and you know, what does that mean economically? What does that mean in terms of our our purposes as as individuals and how we can actually get through each day? So so I think that there's extremely profound impacts of technology on society, and um, certainly one of the things we're trying to do at at in in our initiative at Brown is to Call attention to these ideas and engage scholars across many disciplines in the problem of uh, trying to think about them and trying to to figure out how do we make technology so that it benefits humanity yeah. and not just benefits say the the powerful or the wealthy or or what have you.
2: Yeah, or the Terminator. Yeah, I mean I don't think we worry that
0: much about the Terminator scenario. Right? The Terminator scenario says that the system gets control of everything and then we're just in the way. And um, no, I mean I'm I'm. I'm not as afraid of that as I am of you know people. Right. Yeah, people a company. Can do era, right. To other people, and we need, to, we need to be aware of that. We need to, as, I think, as a, as a society, we need to confront that together. Right. To say what does this mean for the weakest among us as well as the strongest among us.
2: In fact, that that's a great point. Let's do this. Let's take a break. We're talking with Dr. Michael Littman um, of the hum- Humanity Centered Robotics Initiative at Brown University and we're talking about artificial intelligence. I want to come back when we come back I want to talk about that because one of the one of the arguments that he uh, had made in an, in, in uh, an article we had read um, called the rise of machines is not likely is simply that maybe some of the the problems with how we're even handling robotics and some of this technology is we might actually be underrepresenting certain populations, certain minorities may be less involved in, in some of this. So we want to make sure we're including them. I also want to find out uh, there are still some things that, that you know, artificial intelligence might impact. Maybe our economic systems might be more at risk um, because of certain systems we're using, or even uh, maybe, you know, our, electric, our electrical grids. Uh, We'll come back, continue this discussion on artificial intelligence with Dr. Michael Whitman. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Back, friends, to the Matt Townsend show. We are on the phone with Dr. Michael L. Littman. He is a, uh, a professor of computer science and the co-leader of Brown University's Humanity Centered Robotics Initiative. He's he's guiding us through uh, this the issue of artificial intelligence. You know, the Terminator Genesis is coming out in July. The Terminator, And he's, you know, is there, is there a possibility that our artificial intelligence could actually eventually become this super intelligence that just takes over the world, eventually sees humans as a threat, needs to destroy the human race? Is all that possible? Well, according to Dr. Littman, uh, not really. Uh, not likely, not something we need to be worrying about right now. In fact, Dr. Littman just told us that maybe it's it's more likely that just businesses or humans using technology are more likely to hurt humans. And maybe that's something we ought to worry about. Dr. Michael Littman, welcome back to the program. Are you there, Dr. Littman?
0: I am. Yes. Uh, I apologize, Dr. Townsend. No, ba- the, uh, I, I had that same issue again. That that same I, was sound- muted, well, I was hearing uh, BBC World Service.
2: Were you really? We're, we're going to have our uh, engineers work on that. It's the first time we've heard of that. So we'll, we'll get on that. Uh, here's what we, we kind of want to know, Dr. Lumen. There are some things to worry about that you brought up in your article. Um but they're they're a little it's just it's almost more it seems like more computer oriented like for example uh algorithmic uh traders that would crash the economy just because of th- their their i guess intent to make money or destroy a country i mean that's really more of a fear right
0: well so so crashing the economy actually can happen for lots of reasons uh i think What a lot of people are concerned about is that some of these uh, high-frequency trading decisions are being made so quickly that uh, and and sort of um, in a reflexive sort of way Mm -hmm. that it's hard to know exactly what impact that they will have. And so you have these things called flash crashes that happen now and again where uh, stock prices just plummet briefly because all these different computer programs are racing to sell off stocks that they happen to control. And so that's the, that's the sort of case where that's actually a real thing that's happening right now. Real it's not time. It's really clear how dangerous this is going to be for everybody, but it's it's real and it's something that needs to be addressed.
2: And that, that's a race of computers. Plus, you also talked about just sensitive power grids that are overreacting quickly, I guess, to the fluctuations in the power system.
0: Right and again that's that's also the situation where it's not that these systems have any kind of ill intent yeah. it's that they're controlling important and complex resources and uh, you know what appears to be a very sensible rule like you know if you get into trouble you know decrease the amount of power flowing through this you know this area these these kinds of rules can actually have large scale unpredictable interactions
2: Interesting so it's,
0: it's it's important for people to study you know what what does that mean what do the fail safes actually mean what is it what is it what should one what should the system do when uh when in doubt
2: because these systems are being they're being written they're being coded and designed by people there's a great quote that i love that says systems all systems tend to reflect their creator hmm. and it seems like this might be you know we have if we have certain fears about power grids then yeah we're going to create you know certain i guess stop gaps and and, and other things another one is in our a- academic world our educational system where there might be a bias within academia and the industry about minorities and maybe they're underrepresenting minorities when we're talking about technology advancement
0: yeah i think that's that's also a very important concern uh in particular that we don't really have um you know, sort of broad representation from all the different constituencies in our society that actually matter. Um, instead, we have um, you know kind of a, a sub-piece that's that's doing a lot of the innovation in terms of technology. And uh, and as you say, it, it, they, there's a tendency to create things that make sense for you and your group um, because that's what you know best. And so, to the extent that some folks are being excluded, even if it, even if not consciously, there's not being an effort made to to bring them into the fold. Um, it, it leaves us with technology that is really not representative of, of us as, a, as humanity.
1: Which is, is,
2: so is that a, a big part of what you're trying to do at Brown with your humanity robotic program is, is trying to figure out a humanity-centered approach where we're still including we're, – we're, we're trying the betterment of the whole, the betterment of humanity, not just pure advancement of technology?
0: that's exactly right that that often that there that these groups work separately um, you know i'm a computer scientist i've been in in uh... computer science and a i for my whole career we don't often think about the implications of what we're doing because some of it is just so cool right? yeah. we are we're excited about what it can do and we're excited about um, you know these these great ideas we don't always reflect back on what implications that's going to have on on the greater society and i think trying to engage scholars across that boundary, not just scholars too, but anybody who's really thinking about the, you know, the future of, of our species. Um, It's important that the people generating the technological advances and the people who are thinking about what, what the impact that it's going to have on the rest of us really have a dialogue that's, that's informed.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can see um, it's interesting as a robotics kind of computer expert, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, man, there's got to be a lot of, you know, workers, factory workers that look at you like you're the enemy, when in reality, so much of what makes their day-to-day, because of the fear that they're going to lose their job, but what may also make their job palatable to them is simple technologies that have made it easier for them to do their existing job.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's a wonderful point. So um, one of the things that, that has definitely spurred us on in our efforts at, at Brown is that, there was a number of, number of books that came out, actually two of them in, at the same time, uh, I don't know, maybe two years ago, by, both of them were by MIT professors who are economists, and both of which gave essentially the opposite impression about what the, the future of the economy is going to be with regards to robotics. Yeah. That one, one group is saying, well, th- you know, this is great, because you know, by, by greater automation, that means we have more resources, we can do better with the resources we have, and therefore you know, the rising tide floats all boats. And then the other argument is, no, 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 this is different, because the people who are controlling these automation technologies are the people who have the, the, the capital wealth already. Hmm. If they have the capital wealth and the labor wealth at the same time, we just exacerbate the divide between the haves and the have-nots.
5: Interesting. And so
0: here I am as a computer scientist. I'm not a trained economist. I don't think about these issues at all. I look to these, these experts, and they're telling me, exactly the opposite things from each other. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's that they just don't know or if they are not being adequately informed by the the, the movement of technology but I just want to be I just want us to be more a part of that discussion and I want people to be talking across these different fields.
2: Well and I love that there's a human side to it. I mean a human centered approach to it. Otherwise what else are we doing it for? I mean are we I guess it's just advancement, but advancement without bringing humanity to a higher level is is void of any benefit it seems like.
0: I would yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think I think people can sometimes lose track of the fact that wow, I mean we we can make this business more efficient. We can we can increase our profit margin. But where are the people? Like, where are yeah. the people that are impacted by this? If it's really just the CEO of the company, we shouldn't maybe all be working for the benefit of that one person.
2: <laughs> that one guy, yeah, yeah who, we who be benefiting yeah. everybody. Uh, there was a study out of Oxford that we read that stated that about forty-seven percent of the U.S. labor market alone could be at risk for being replaced by machines. Do you see that as realistic?
0: Uh, well, it's again, I'm not an expert in that that part yeah. of uh, of academics, but um, but yeah, I mean, I've heard arguments that, that are of that form, right? That basically say that not only can people's work be replaced, because that's happened throughout throughout uh, sure. human history, right? It's always the case that a new innovation comes along, and the people who are doing things the old way are are very negatively impacted by that. Right. So far, um, humanity as a whole has actually benefited from these things. There's sort of local patches of things being really rough for some people, but then, you know, we rally together, we, 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 we share the wealth, and, and, um, and we all benefit. We all are, are wealthier and safer and healthier now than we were throughout most of human history. The concern is that this time, it might be different. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, think that's, I, I think it's worth asking that question, and I think it's worth trying to put, uh, I don't know, safeguards in place for, for the benefit of, of the rest of us.
2: And I guess part of this too is you don't know what you don't know. So you, you could put safeguards to a point, I guess, right? And then eventually, you kind of need to grow.
0: Yeah. Well, the sort of safeguards that I'm I actually think are really important and 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 are very reasonable to discuss are things like, well, if all right. So so in the past, as as uh, sectors of the economy have been destroyed by technological innovation. It's, it generally doesn't happen so fast that um, people can't retrain themselves. That people can't, you know, move to other parts of the other sectors of right. the economy. And people, you know, again, it's very rough for some people. But but by and large, we get through it. Um, if these innovations start happening sufficiently quickly and sufficiently broadly, that actually impact everybody in multiple sectors at the same time. And just as one sector recovers, another one gets gets, uh, you know, undermined. Then um, I, I think there's safeguards in terms of our, our economic health, right? So things that we could do to kind of provide some kind of a social safety net sure. for, Protection. for people, so that so that, yeah, you should work, you should innovate, and and we should share the benefits of that. It shouldn't be the mm. case that there's you know there's winners who get everything, and then there's losers who are completely disrupted. Right.
2: It's, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because it might be the business that's innovating. But the unions that need to bring their people along, and these people don't talk anyway very well. So somehow we, you're saying, we basically have to get all of these other pieces on the same page. So we're anticipating the humanity side of advancement.
0: I think that's exactly right. Yeah, and 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 these are these are public policy issues. These are kind of uh, leadership issues. That I am not in a great position yeah. to to yeah. address, but um, but I can I can raise I can raise the issue and I can um, you know, be part of the discussion
2: and, and educating right people and giving everybody similar opportunity to use technology to grow in technology, so that you don't have a certain population that's so far behind that they they really are behind the curve. I agree with you. This is cool. I mean, is and is this that a lot of universities are they do they have like a humanity centered Robotic program, or is that just unique to brown this,
0: yeah this is something we 're trying to innovate with. We actually had a symposium
2: oh about a month ago
0: where we brought scholars in uh, across disciplines from from all over the country and, and actually um, other places in the world as well. We had a, a representative from um, from nick bostrom 's group at at Oxford who uh, came and spoke about these issues of uh, you know, the impact the super of super intelligence. intelligence on, yeah. uh, and, and, um, and it was just such a wonderful meeting and such a wonderful discussion. And everyone there was thinking, wow, you know, we, we, we all feel like we're worried about these issues, but we're sort of isolated and we wanted a way to come together and discuss it. And this was uh, very valuable for us. So so we're hoping this conversation actually grows and continues.
2: It really is an educational process, isn't it? Because everyone on July 1st or whatever, they're going to go see Terminator Genesis, and they're going to be terrified. Like and then they're going to look at guys like you Mike and just think ugh, you're the cause of all of this. <laughs>
0: right that we're Yeah, exactly right. Well, so I, I you know this is it's very often that I'll bring uh, visitors into the lab and they'll look at the stuff that we're doing. I I my focus is actually on uh, learning systems, making mm. computer systems that actually improve their performance over time and sometimes we'll do this in the context of robots because I think it's it's something that people can appreciate better than, say, uh, you know, again, a learning power grid or a learning communications network. But like a learning robot is something you can look at and and, and, and appreciate. They they almost, almost to a person, will look at me at the end and say, so <laughs> are we all dead now? Yeah. Is this, uh, you know, are you making Terminator? Is this going to happen? And um, it's just so funny because the response... I don't really have a good response to this. One possible response is, oh, don't worry, I'm not very good at this. We're not really at risk.
2: Just say, trust me, it's fine.
0: <laughs> well, and the other one is, um, yeah, actually, I'm really good at my job, and so we're all really in danger now. <laughs> That's and, right. and so it, I don't think either of those things really represents the truth. I think the fact of the matter is we're really just learning what it means to be, uh, to, to be autonomous, mm-hmm. to be able to act in the world. The world is very complicated, and, and, and computational problems are extremely difficult. What is it that humans can do that allows us to actually get by and thrive in a world like this? We have no idea. Yeah. And it's, it's not just a matter of well, if we have slightly faster computers, they're going to figure all this out because it's not that easy.
2: See, it's so true. You know what? If you really want to – let me give you some advice here. <laughs> I know you're a Ph.D. and everything. But um, here's, you just need to make more robots that f- go into an arena and fight each other. Because and, and then, that put that, that on television, everyone'll love it, and then by the t- then you can start teaching them during the commercials about how you teach a robot to learn how to kill another robot. If we saw more of that we 'd all feel more comfortable with this whole thing.
0: so you think you think a uh, better public understanding of how powerful <laughs> robots are in defeating other robots exactly that 's
2: fascinating. I would not have gone that way see it 's interesting that 's how that 's how quirky we are here <laughs> that 's how warped we are. Well, uh, Dr. Littman, we appreciate you. This really is an interesting topic. And in the end, though, if, if you were going to just summarize it for us, what what should we worry about when it comes to artificial into- intelligence? And really, what do we not need to worry about?
0: So I think we don't really need to worry about this notion that computers are going to wake up one day or robots are going to wake up one day and, and have it in their heads that we need to be eliminated. That is, there's so many levels off from being something... <laughs> sensible that, um, that this shouldn't occupy a lot of our, our attention. What I do think we should worry about, and, and all of us, I think, is, as people need to be raising this question of how are we going to make sure that we all benefit as, as innovations happen. And I think that that's, it's, it's an issue that the technologists can't solve alone, and it's an, an issue that the, the public policy people can't solve alone. It really needs to be all of us together saying... You know, this is this is important that as advancement happens, we all need to benefit from this. What Mm. what are you doing to make sure that happens?
2: It's great stuff. And and really, uh, but we need we need you to lead a lot of that conversation, Michael, because I sit there and I think, yeah, let's just have our politicians get involved. And then it's like, because (laughs) they don't know what, you know, and and yet they they're going to pull a lot of those groups and those strings that need to be pulled. So it really this is where humanity needs to come together.
0: I I agree with you 100 percent.
2: Great job. Appreciate you. Dr. Michael Littman, again, from Professor of Computer Science at Brown University, co-leader of Brown Brown's Humanity-Centered Robotics Initiative. Folks, relax. Trust us. <laughs> really, it's safe. It's safe. You know, but there's already existing issues with technology that we don't even pay attention to now. we got to get on the stuff that already exists. Let's not worry about the crazy future. Let's focus on what's happening to us right now. Good stuff. We'll take a break, come back, uh, continue some of the news headlines around technology. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back. To the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we've been talking about technology. Kathy Aiken is back with us. She's, uh, nobody loves technology more than Kathy.
3: <laughs> yeah, you got the wrong person. Hey, I a... can't even figure out my iWatch yet. So, I know. You know. I
2: saw that. Yours was totally on Did? upside down. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was At adjusted. least I got
3: it the right side of it. Yeah, you yeah. got it figured out.
2: Yeah. Hey, um, Do you have one? I don't. I, I want one, but I'm trying to not be an early adopter.
3: You're just waiting. I'm to, waiting
2: because it doesn't be have cool everything guy. I want yet. Yeah. So what I do now is I wear a watch and a Fitbit. So I – I, Do you I, want
3: it to do that it's not doing?
2: I, I want it to basically – I want it to be able to um, do my phone calls anywhere so I don't have to have my phone. So I can leave my phone in the right. car. Yeah.
3: You do have to have it near you. Yes. yes. So you always have to well, carry kind it of anyway. cool though when you're talking into your watch. See, you know? that
2: would be interesting yeah. except you also st- – I want it to eliminate having to carry my phone you know what I mean? Yeah, so I that use will it. it's pretty day. cool in my office cuz I'll use my I if I like my Fitbit is connected to my phone and if my phone rings it vibrates on my arm and that's great. But it's also great because when I go see a client or I'm talking to a client in my office then uh they can basically communicate to me through my my wrist. Mm-hmm. It's time to end. Let's wrap this up and if they if I'm really late they just call me incessantly until my hand goes numb with vibration. <laughs> Which is horrible. That's... It's horrible. One of the things that's happening with technology. A, I guess, according to Dr. Michael Littman, we don't need to worry about the machines taking over.
5: Mm-hmm. That's
2: good. Um, I, you know, it would be bad. I, I did hear of a guy that had a Roomba that chased him incessantly around the house.
3: I need one of those.
2: I'd need a Roomba, too. Yeah. But I have a Does feeling... Does it
3: work? Does it work really well? I don't
2: know. I have a feeling my Roomba would end up probably being stepped on by my kids, or I'd come home and my child would be riding it around <laughs> the house. Put your but, cat on top. But now what's happening is the internet is connecting to everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I worry more. I worry less about AI taking over, super intelligence taking over. I worry more about the fact that... Every Everything in my life is connected to the Internet. And so now every time you go to an AT&T store or Xfinity – not Xfinity um, – vivant all these different companies, they're trying to automate your home and your sister, your house. So now you have smart cars. You have in-home security cameras where, hey, it's so great because you can log in and see your child sleeping.
3: Yes, but my fear is yeah. so can they. Yeah. I mean if I they, can get the on evil people. The evil people.
2: They're going to – they can now log in and see – you guys watching a movie? Yes. Or be scary. You know, your slow cooker crockpot is now connected to the Wi-Fi. You can now, through the Wi-Fi, turn on your crockpot. Are you kidding me?
3: It's called laziness. Like, who needs that? <laughs> oh no. Well, what about your washer and dryer, where you can get alerts if it's finished?
2: Why? I mean, I, don't I guess know. I guess because Will you're you in turn another it on, room. You go
3: home. But, but That's leave true. Somewhere, if you got I, don't a te-
2: I mean, I've left stuff in the dryer, and you're like, too. oh, I forgot. Uh, yeah. I didn't turn even know. Turn it back
3: on. Turn it back on so they are not and, wrinkled.
2: I mean, uh, it's just you can you can you can now turn on your TV. You can go and um, start tracking. Go start putting the videos you want to uh, record. Mm-hmm. You can fix your recordings. Oh my heavens! This yeah. is crazy.
3: Well, the smart mattress. Did you hear that the There's a mattress that will actually transmit your breathing and your heart rate and all your movements to (laughs) your app on your phone. Was it going to tell you you didn't have a good night's sleep?
2: That is creepy. Uh, Dr. Townsend, you have chronic halitosis. (laughs) Your breathing smells horrible. Oh,
3: your wife will tell you that. That is –
2: why do I need a mattress, I guess, to help me sleep? So now I can be worried about what my sleep is.
3: That you're turning over too much, that you're not getting a good night's rest. And I know you're not getting in bed till midnight. No. And getting up at 4, that's, that's not good. Yeah, it's 440. Not good. I, but I thought I, that was going 440. Why not 445? No, it's always 440. 440. 440
2: okay. is when the alarm goes off. Okay. Uh, 545 is when I get up. Oh,
3: you push the snooze <laughs> that many times. No, no here's the it one I love, like though. Your, your toothbrush via Bluetooth connectivity. Oh, are you kidding? It can alert you if you're brushing too hard. Back off! Back off! Back You're off! Taking off all the, not just the plaque, but the
2: gum talk, alert. Everything. Gum alert. See, I think by the end of this, we are going to be neurotic. We're not going to. I mean, it's already hard enough to get your kids to brush their teeth. Now you got your your toothbrush talking back to you.
3: Well, it's scary that everything has to tell us if we're doing things right or wrong. Why can't we figure that out on our own? No,
2: see, that, let me tell you my scare, my fear about artificial intelligence or, and all of this stuff. It's that it's going to it's going to d de- Humanize the human, mm-hmm. so now I don't even need to evaluate consciously or subconsciously my own tooth care, my own <laughs> hygiene. You don't so need now, off to brushing too. I hard. mean, now my my I am going to pull out my app that's hygiene care, and yes, I am going to know going to notice t- how much time, and it'll like have a complete circle if I have complete hygiene.
3: And that's going to tell you when you need to go to the dentist. Yeah. that's good. That uh-huh. will tell you. Yeah, you and need you'll get, to get like to a, your appointment.
2: You'll, you'll get a funk alert where it'll be like. You are funky. <laughs> you <laughs> but need to th- shower. I for my
3: children, I yeah. mean, they can't communicate now because they're so hooked to their texting and things. I mean, what's this going to do? This is not. I mean,
2: that's it's excessive. But these are all companies. This is what we were talking about with the Dr. Littman. These are companies that are just trying to differentiate by technology, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily making the world better. Having a crock pot that you can, you know. Hack into and and start <laughs> your lunch and dinner, it's probably not advancing your life, right?
3: Uh, totally agree.
2: We need to. We this need is to, really frightening. And even the sleep. I like the idea for sleep to a point, except. But
3: don't you know when you get up that you haven't had a good night's you, sleep while you're mad your Well, you should be intuitive, you? Yes. intuitive enough yeah, to know that. I can figure that out.
2: Well, or just ask your spouse. There
3: you go. Do
2: I seem like a grouch to you? <laughs> yeah, you tossed and turned all night. It's it's interesting, but again, this is we're becoming the Jetsons.
3: I love that cartoon. I did too. Yeah, except that if that was you a noticed, long time ago. It's amazing how. But they had weird bodies
2: too. They did really pointy legs and really kind of round. They were pear shaped, um, which is you know it's actually starting to fit. Uh, well, well done, Kathy. I appreciate your insight. So if, okay. if if off the list, if you could just choose one thing, which one would you want?
3: Which one do I want? Um, you know, the hump security cameras, I think, are great. My fear would be yeah. someone hacking someone in and an being order. able to watch what's someone going take on in my home. Yeah.
2: Well, good stuff. Uh, I personally would want the crockpot. We're out of here, folks. Hour number one. It's in the can. Stick with us. We've got a great hour. Next hour, right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
4: When you say starts with the first step, it has to start today. Because it's always, well, I think I'll I'll do that tomorrow. Aren't you always going to do that? When I finish a bag of donuts, I'm
6: starting a diet tomorrow. What? It always seems like I'm starting I'm starting my next bag of donuts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) i say, David's journey starts with the first donut. Don't delay the first step of your journey. Join Eric and his crew on Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good.
0: How do we store what we know? What's the difference between knowing things and being wise? Right? That is, what's the difference right. between you can have someone who knows a lot of facts, but then, and that feels like maybe that's information. But then there's something called knowledge, which is not the same as a fact. And then there's something called wisdom, which is not
2: even the same as knowledge. Thinking Aloud, smart conversation for smart people. Weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio.
0: KBYU
4: FM, HD2 Provo
2: good morning friends welcome to the matt townsend show i'm your coach dr matt t here helping you figure out your own life right it's your world it's your life you only get one of them though folks so my goal is to see if we can't make it the best one ever. The The purpose of this show is to help you live longer and love stronger and lead a healthier, happier life, lead you to your own legacy. Everybody's got something to bring to this great big ball of mud we call Earth Life. And uh, I just, you know, I want to be your guide that helps you get there. Today we have got, honestly, a great guest coming up, um, truly uh, I would say a guru in motivating youth. Uh, Larry gelwicks is going to be joining us in a little bit. He is um, he's a coach that coached little league. I mean, not little league high school rugby for about 35 years. And I i had a bunch of friends that played with him. I actually went to Highland High School in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is where Coach Gelwix, uh was a coach. And a lot of my friends uh, played on his team. And honestly, he is a maker of men, and he's, we asked him to join us today. You may have heard of a movie that was put together a few years ago called Forever Strong. It was based on his coaching career with the Highland rugby team, and uh, it was a career that after 35 years as a, as a varsity rugby coach, they had 419 wins and 10 losses, including 19 USA rugby national championships in 26 years. Um, that uh, the, the association has been having nationals championships. So, 19 out of the 26 years that uh, they had been having championships, Larry Gelwick's and his teams won those championships. So, I wanted to pick his brain because yesterday we had a guest on that talked about the millennials, these. 20 to 30 somethings 35 year olds that are really struggling not struggling and they're struggling in our view you know in the generation x person's view or the baby boomers view we look at these millennials like oh you people you don't even have a home loan yet <laughs> the reality is these these millennials are a different generation and I want to talk to somebody that that maybe knows a lot, of, I mean, does know for sure a lot about motivation, but maybe could give us some insight into what we could be doing as a parent, what we could be doing with our youth today, what we could be maybe doing with some of these millennials to get some results with them, to understand them, and what are some principles that he used as a coach to do that. Now, I've got, I've got six kids, and, um, I've got uh, four of them that live at home. I have one of them that's been serving for two years in Mexico as an LDS missionary, and he comes home in one week. And his number one, it's so sad, because if he could come to any one of my interviews, he'd want to meet Larry Gelwicks. So I'll have to tape that and uh, maybe go find Larry some other time with my son. But in the end... um, Folks, you're going to want to stick by this. If you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you have coworkers, people you're trying to motivate, Larry Gelwicks is going to be joining us in just a few moments to help us with that. But first, let's go to Kathy Aikens and talk about uh, the latest headlines. Kathy?
3: Tropical Storm Bill is closing in on Texas and the Lone Star State is bracing for more rain. The National Weather Service predicts part of North Texas, Arkansas and Oklahoma could get up to nine inches of rain over the next several days. In fact, some parts of Texas get up, could get up to 12 inches of rain. This coming off record rainfall in the same areas just last month. Five people are dead and eight injured following a balcony that collapsed at a Berkeley, California apartment building. The balcony was on the fourth floor. No report on why it collapsed. Some of the victims include students from Ireland. Al-Qaeda confirmed their number two official, Nasir al-Wahashi, was killed in a U.S. drone strike on Friday. Al-Wahashi was a former aide to Osama bin Laden and was most recently the leader of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, or AQAP. His successor has already been named. Day 11 and still no sign of the two prison escapees from New York. A senior law enforcement official told NBC News Joyce Mitchell, the woman charged with helping the men escape, may have asked them to kill her. husband. More than 800 officials continue to search for the man having already searched 13 square miles. Donald Trump is expected to announce his intentions today, whether or not he'll run for president. His announcement will take place at his Manhattan skyscraper. The 69-year-old real estate mogul is expected to release his personal finance records, revealing a net worth of $9 billion. According to the latest Fox News poll, the possible GOP candidate is polling at 4%. After months of speculation, Jeb Bush made it official yesterday, throwing his name into the ring for president. Their former Florida Republican governor Governor says he's ready to fix Washington's problems.
6: We'll take Washington, the static capital of this dynamic country, then turn it out of the business of causing
4: problems and we'll get it back on the right side of free enterprise and freedom for all Americans.
3: With that announcement, Bush became the 11th GOP contender. The Chicago Blackhawks are the Stanley Cup champs, a third time in six years. The Blackhawks shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning last night to win the series. Defenseman Duncan Keith winning the Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoff MVP. And tonight, the Cleveland Cavaliers will try and even the NBA Finals to three games apiece as they host Golden State tonight in Game 6. If the Warriors win it, it will be their first championship victory in 40 years. And if the Cavs lose, Matt, the debate whether or not LeBron James should be named MVP, he would be just the second player to win the hmm. MVP on a losing team. You may know this. Who, would, who did it the other time? Who's the first? Uh, Goes way back. I'm not sure you were born.
2: Um, uh, aha. <laughs> Naismith, the founder and creator of basketball.
3: He, is the, he was the picture that they made the MB, MVP, I mean, excuse me, the NBA logo. That's him on the M, NBA logo. Jordan. No, Jerry West.
2: Was that Jerry West yeah. on that logo? Yeah,
3: that logo from years ago. That was Jerry West.
2: Yeah, it's not very defined.
3: <laughs> no, you can't tell. You. Yeah, <laughs> they need really, to work no, on yeah, the edges yeah, a little really bit kind more. Of, uh, you I'm know big. what?
2: He, there is no doubt that um, that LeBron is the most valuable guy on the court for Cleveland no doubt
3: no doubt his but numbers are amazing they're
2: incredible, they're incredible. he's probably the most valuable player on the court right but don't you need to win doesn't the That's value need goes. to lead to the win
3: well it doesn't say most valuable player on the winning team
2: interesting yeah but then, mean,
3: it will be it will be a big debate uh, because it.
2: it just seems like if that were the case there also would have been there were some nba series right where Maybe like a guy like Karl Malone was uh-huh. the most valuable player of the league.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Oh, but he wasn't in the playoffs. So you're, you're talking about the most valuable player in the playoffs.
3: In the playoffs. Yes, yeah. in the playoffs, in the yeah. finals. In the finals, Jerry that's West was back in 1969 with the, when the Lakers lost to Boston. That's
2: interesting. Thing yeah. I, I would like it to be the best person. I think that would be great. Yeah. Except I want it to be Curry.
3: You know, if Steph Curry had been more consistent over this this uh-huh. final series, I think he would be no doubt the MVP. But he's had a couple of games that were definitely subpar.
2: I think what we ought to do is have a shoot off.
3: Mm-hmm. And the end?
2: LeBron and okay. Stephon, and let them just and whoever can shoot the most three pointers consistently wins and one of the shots mm. has to be past half court
3: <laughs> that might take a long time are you a fan have you ever listened to Brian Regan yeah I love it oh we saw him recently and he talked about one of his one of his jokes right off the bat was when the team loses you know this guy runs into the locker room guys guess what guess what <laughs> the winning team they gave us credit they gave us credit <laughs> it was hilarious the way he says that he's one of my all-time no favorites it was hilarious
2: that's it because he credits so underrated, yeah, compared yeah, so to underrated. The win.
3: guys they gave us credit who
2: cares i want the ring <laughs> it's interesting too that um Le- i like lebron's confidence he is incredible he's just phenomenal phenomenal but you also have to be a team mm-hmm. right and but they, so
3: many of the players they, on his team injured. are injured. I know there three all stars that are injured, yeah. and not having Kyrie Irving in there. The fact that they've made this a close series, I think, is amazing. Oh, I but do. But I think too. when they only go seven deep on, you know, seven deep on the roster, they're going to be tired. That's the risk, yeah. and I think
2: that's the risk of playing to win a championship yep. by going out and getting three all stars. Yeah, yep. then you're two of trouble. them blow up, yeah. you're dead.
3: Well, only two days rest. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the Cavs may be in trouble tonight. We'll see, see.
2: Oh. It's a, whatever it is. It's it's a great series. A it might, great it series. might be great to see the Cavs win, just to see it go seven. seven, So then you get down to like a one point shot in Game Seven. Have you Holy ever cow. been
3: to the arena there where the Warriors play? No. Oh no! Is incredibly it? loud, incredibly really? loud. Yeah, it is. I don't know if they said it's the loudest arena in the NBA, but it is just deafening at times. So that and, would be fun to see. And it go to go see Steph's
2: mom and dad dancing, that's mm-hmm. way cool. There you
3: go. And his cute little girl.
2: It's The thing is, these are just people, right? Yeah. But can people you imagine knowing that you've got the biggest game of your life tonight?
3: You know, I have to say one of the greatest events I ever went to is when the University of Utah played in the finals against Kentucky. I think it was 98 uh-huh. in San Antonio. That was so fun because you realized... Majority, the vast majority, of those players would never play again. You know, they weren't going to make they're, millions they're not of going dollars, pro. and so it was just the love of the, the game heart. and the competition was amazing. You go to the NBA; these players make so much oh, money. Yeah. It's kind of a different. And they're all going. You know,
2: field. LeBron will be back in Miami on the beach tomorrow.
3: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly that's no matter how that's what gonna happens, go. they are going to go on their yachts and have these. Kathy, that's rotations. what they don't
2: know about you. Yeah. They don't know that you are a sports guru. Love sports. That you've uh, been a sportscaster. You work for BYU Sports as well. Mm-hmm. And you actually probably know more about sports than anybody in this building.
3: Not more than Jeremy Spencer.
2: Not more than Jeremy Spencer. I don't think so. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm going to tell them that. At least BYU. That. I'm going to tell least for them BYU, that They today. know more
3: than I do on that.
2: Yeah, but you know you know a lot more. I mean, you know about West. You know about the NBA logo. <laughs> <laughs> That's well cool. It's I really think a lot cool. of
3: people do, Matt. So that's, that's okay. so true.
2: I'm glad you're here.
3: <laughs> Me too, Kathy Thank
2: Aiken, you. giving us a little sports insight as well. Hey, uh, great guest coming up. Larry Galwick's is going to be joining us. He is just a coach extraordinaire. I personally know many, many people, uh, whom he's 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 changed their lives. He's he's been a father figure to him. He's been a, a dad, a guru. He's been. More importantly, just a great role model. He's here today to be teaching us about uh, how to mentor our youth, how to be a good example, a coach, how to, how to push them harder, yet get more with more integrity and more values. Up next, Larry Gelwicks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, In studio with us right now is uh, Larry Gelwicks, which, for me, uh, he's a coach. But he's a coach that impacted my friends, my guys my age. I went to Highland High School in, in Salt Lake City, which, if you're a rugby player is known all over the country. Uh, Larry has won 20 national rugby championships in the 26 years that they had championships while he was doing it. He also is a, has a varsity record of 418 wins, 10 losses. He, more importantly, though, he, he loves to influence men and boys, and turn them into men. Um, but uh, he's been in two document- a documentary in 2012 called Larry Gelwick's No Regrets, which won an Emmy Award. He also is in the movie Forever Strong, which is all about his life, uh, that came out in 2008, and it just talks about kind of a moral-centered coach coaching approach That is, a sh- it's a movie you need to show your kids. If your kids love sports movies, go to Netflix, look up Forever Strong, and it's just got such a great message. Larry, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Matt. It's nice to be here. But it's interesting because you were a, you were a school teacher for a while, kind of an institute teacher. You then probably realized you needed to make some money. You, start, you got into travel industry. You're a speaker. You're a, you're a coach. But more importantly, you want to influence these
6: boys. You did influence these boys. You know, I said, Matt, that uh, if it were just about rugby... I think I would have retired a long time ago. Yeah, you would have 36 been 36 years, my, and I did retire in 2011. 36 years is a good run. It's a great run. And uh, we were a large team. We had over 200 players every year, grades 7 through 12. We oh, folded shit. the uh, junior high schools into our high did school really? program. Uh, my last year coaching, we had 238 players, 15 coaches, five different teams, all of us volunteers. And, you know, I do love rugby. I love the competition, but I think my coaching evolved over the years. I started at age 25, and yeah. you can do the math. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if it were only about rugby, there's no way I would have put in no. that volunteer time. But it's 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 about turning out championship boys rather than... Than championship teams, as important as that
2: is, you Uh, weren't a champion. You weren't thinking, "I got to win another championship." You're thinking, "I've got, I've got to teach these boys character."
6: Well, I think that's where the evolution took place. You know, when I was younger, I had played competitive rugby, and when I was younger in coaching, yeah, we want to win a national championship, and uh, you know, it was highly competitive. But I saw myself evolving, where it truly became. More about turning out championship young men than championship teams. As important as turning out championship teams uh, these,
2: are, we we had a man on yesterday, a professor on uh, a female actually, professor that was talking about these millennials, these kids that are about twenty to thirty five. So your olds. age, actually, I'm only yeah. Thank I you. wish. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much, much, Larry. Larry. <laughs> I so wish. But one of the things that's happening is they don't trust institutions. They don't trust. uh medical institutions. They don't trust the government. They're very individualistic, is what they're finding out about this age group. They tend to not be as religious. They tend to go to church a lot less.
6: And often live with their parents.
2: And a lot of them live <laughs> with their parents. They're less inclined to get married. They're less. So all of these yeah. traits that I know you, inst- you instilled into the hearts and minds of your players, what are you seeing? Because you also went out for the LDS church and you were a mission president. You led a bunch of missionaries. So, if any of you out there have ever seen the missionaries, two LDS, two white, you know, and they're not always white, white,
6: white shirt, white shirt, shirt tie, tag, clean, big cut, smile, riding a bike, men and women.
2: You led hundreds, of, a couple yeah, hundred had, of those, well, at a time. In
6: my three years as uh, mission president of the California Fresno Mission for the LDS Church, which is uh, they, it's a full time, but you're called, and you serve as a volunteer. You you just go there for free and lead to... And 24-7. We had 730 missionaries in our three years. At one point, we were over 300 missionaries at the same time. So you you had that age group in your care.
2: Was it different than all these other boys you'd been doing this with for my age group
6: back in the day? Did you notice a difference? They're very very many similarities, particularly in motivation, in goal setting, in accomplishment. You know, I told the missionaries, I told my players, nothing good in life happens by wishing, wanting, or hoping. Hmm. Good things happen by doing, but you don't have to have your whole life planned out either. Yeah. You can't tell a sixteen-year-old boy that he needs to have every waking moment of his life planned out. Right. It does you know, in sports we have audibles. We come up to the line of scrimmage. I also coached football yeah. as a volunteer. And the play changes. Well, things happen in life and the play changes. You, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be, be able ready to for audible. It. Yeah. That's cool. But see, so how do you how did you train up these boys? How did
2: you get them to believe a, that they could even win a championship. and But I know – and if you go watch the movie Forever Strong, you were very clear. We live values. We have principles. Don't cross the principles. We
6: go by principle. Uh, it, it, that's true. I think the first step is creating a vision and – um You know, we think of a championship. That was not the focus. Now, just imagine you and I are at a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. And on the lower left, I'm going to draw a stick figure of you, Matt Townsend. And at the upper right-hand corner, I'm going to put a box. And that's our goal. Whatever we want to do personally, professionally, a faith-based life, academically, whatever I want to accomplish. Now, our focus is always on the goal, but in between, I would draw steps. Okay. Just steps all the way up. And while, yes, we have to have a vision of where we want to go, it's like um, Alice in Wonderland and uh, talking to the, the uh, Cheshire, Cheshire Cat. Cat. Yeah. You already want to go? I don't know. Well, then any road will get you yeah, there. It doesn't matter. You've got to have do. that vision, but, the fr- but what you really got to do. Is get to the first step. What is my first step? Then what is my second mm. step? And you'll find that sometimes people will walk up those steps. Sometimes it's three steps up and yeah. two steps back. But, you know, it's not where we are at the moment, but the direction in which we're moving. Some people will race up the steps. Others will jog. Others <laughs> will walk. Some will crawl. Yeah. But am I doing better today than I was yesterday?
2: I mean some might walk up and then fall down 10 steps then they need to yeah. learn that they need another they need a yeah. railing. And you know they need something else. We
6: all make mistakes and and I used to tell the the players, uh, you know, and the missionaries, I would say, you know, uh life is tough. Hard work is hard. Yeah. And when you run into a problem, you can either quit, feel sorry for yourself and be a victim the rest of your life or you can gut it out, and you can finish it. I, uh, you know, there's only two types of pain in life. Only two. There's the pain of hard work, and Matt, that's tough. Oh yeah. It will, it will stretch you. It will bend you. But at the end of the day, how grateful we are for the pain of hard work because that's where the growth is. You've in done the it. weight room, you don't get big muscles like you <laughs> obviously have right here. My inverted but, muscles. There you go. By lifting the the the, the lightweights, yeah. it's by putting more weight on you the bar, add. but in steps. So there's the pain of hard work or there's the pain of regret. Mm. The pain of regret, if we don't try, and I say try because sometimes fixing whatever needs to be fixed involves other people. Yeah. If we don't try to fix whatever needs to be fixed, I promise you, the pain of regret will never go away that is so important because you're going to pay either way
2: you're going to pay on the front end or the back end right you're going to pay in the pain of making it happen or the pain of regretting well here's
6: a question that i ask for uh, the students yeah uh this is true in work in school uh, in your church or synagogue uh in every situation, in a class, in a relationship, in a marriage, in a partnership, uh, at your church or synagogue, you ask yourself this question every day and every situation, Matt, and this is the question. Have I been changed or merely entertained? mm and so we we go to school. We've come to practice. We attend our church, our synagogue, our mosque, and we ask: as a result of this relationship, this encounter, this opportunity, have I truly been changed? Have I experienced a great and mighty change in whatever aspect of Such my a life? Great question. Or ah, have I been merely entertained? Yeah. Ah, that was that cool. Was, that was good. And that's one of the issues with a lot of millennials is. What are you going to do to entertain me today? Yeah, this isn't fun. No.
2: It's so true. We're speaking with Larry Gelwicks, uh, by the way, CEO of Columbus Travel. In Bountiful. In where, Bountiful, Utah. But they do tours and groups and, and, and will set up your travel for you.
6: Well, not only travel. We do a, a large part of our business is what's called incentive or award travel where companies will take their best clients, yep. their best employees, and use travel as a motivational award. It is not an expense. It's a profit center. What's the website? Uh, ColumbusVacations.com. Columbus Vacations.
2: We're going to take a break. We'll come back. By the way, you can hear from uh, Larry's voice. He's also got a radio show. He's he's a radio dude, so it's all good. More with Larry Gelwicks. More of his insights, including some of his uh, five championship strategies to sustainable success. Up next, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. How's it going? To the Matt Townsend Show. In the uh, studio with us today is Larry Gelwix. Uh You may have seen the movie Forever Strong. Came out in 2008. It was released. It's on Netflix today. It's about a rugby program in Utah that uh, was, uh, you know, out of this world successful. 419 wins, 10 losses is what Larry had as a varsity rugby coach. Um, and also 20 national championships And plus, he did it all in a very kind of methodical, uh, character-based approach. His goal was to raise and grow championship boys that would then go create national championships. But he's joining us today. um, Also, uh, he's the CEO of Columbus Travel. He's been a a leader uh, in the LDS Church over missionaries in Fresno, California. I wanted him to come in and teach us about how to motivate, how to lead our youth today, to get results. And so, Larry, thanks so much for being here.
6: Thanks, Matt. It's good to be with you.
2: Talk about how we motivate and measure success. A lot of us, I don't think as parents, we know quite how to praise our kids. We, we praise them for everything
6: and maybe overlook important things, it seems like. I, th- I think there's a couple of issues here, Matt. One is, what do we measure? I found as a coach that parents often measure success in playing time and trophies. While those are important, I mean, it's more fun to be on the yeah, field you than, on the, be- right, than right. on the bench with that. But the most frequent question that our youth are asked, certainly my my players, several thousand over 36 years is well, let's say you're one of my players, yeah. Matt. Matt what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. a doctor. I want to host BYU radio. <laughs> uh, I don't think I said that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. You know, I want to be a carpenter. I, I want to be, have my own business. I'd always say, you know, that's great. But it really doesn't matter what you want to be, provided it meets three criteria. One, you have a passion for it, yeah. you want to do it. Two, it's honest and honorable. Three, you can support yourself and a family one day. Other than that, it doesn't matter what you want to be. Now, as important as that question is, what do you want to be? It is not the most important question. Mm, You see, the most important question is not, Matt, what do you want to be, but who? Who do you want to be? Oh,
2: that's interesting. Who who is different
6: than what? It really is. Now, I remember uh, a young man, great kid. Uh, uh, he's a doctor right now, and he played all four years for me in high school. Did he? Now, again, we had a big team, over 200 players, highly competitive, and at the end of the year, we'd have this wonderful awards banquet. Yeah. And, you know, where the parents and grandparents and families and and everybody, uh, we get together, have a nice meal, and... uh, you know, it, just a great event. And he came up to me after this one. I'll never forget it. He said, Coach, I played for you for four years. I'm graduating this year. I did not play one minute on the varsity team. In fact, I never was even asked to. He was
2: like a scrub. Like
6: a, a he was down there yeah. On, yeah, on the third team, you know. Wow. Great kid. He gave it everything yeah. that he had. yeah. You know, it it just wasn't there to play on the varsity. And he said, I never even was asked to suit up with the varsity. But I want to tell you, Coach. These four years have been the greatest years of my life, and this is what I learned from you and from this experience. They went, Bing, 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 and talked about character. He didn't talk about trophies. He didn't talk about championships, as important as they are. Now we're a competitive team. Sure, we have to. You know, know, we're not a bunch of guys sitting around holding hands singing (laughs) "Kumbaya." All right, hey, don't disrespect that. With that, yeah, but yeah, that wasn't your purpose per se. Yeah, you know, for example, um the research shows that that identifying and praising um attitude and effort has a more salient effect than specific achievement. For example, you're my son yeah. Matt and I say, "Matt, I am so proud of you. I am the proudest dad in the world. You got straight A's, a 4.0 right. GPA this semester." Now, what have I set the bar? Ugh. As dad's approval. Dad likes grades. Yeah. Dad likes what A's. What happens if you get a 3 8? You get a, a, a B in the class. Yeah. You're wondering will dad approve? You know, um, I, I remember uh, a young girl I talked to at a. At a uh, talk, I give, I give. a lot of talks around the country. In fact, overseas, it's turned into a career of motivational speaking yeah. at conferences, conventions. I just did a big uh, convention, national convention in Las Vegas. Over, I think there's 1,200 people there talking about uh, motivation, success, moving from good to great. That's great. Anyway, this this young woman said, you know, that she was so proud when she. In high school she's looking back she's in her 40s now and this scar was still there she said I tried out for cheerleader and I was so proud and and I came home and told my parents that I'd made it as a cheerleader and all I mean there were dozens of girls and young men that tried out her dad's first comment was why aren't you the head cheerleader You God. see, he was focused on an achievement yeah. rather than this. Matt, I, I have noticed how how focused you are in your studies and that you get your work done. You know, I'm going to tell you, son, that attitude and effort is more important than natural smarts or natural ability.
2: See, now, now I can grow my attitude and effort
6: in everything instead of
2: just hoping for always having these incredible yeah. I'll outcomes. I'll tell you
6: the other thing we've got to do with our kids is allow them to fail, but you want to have a net there. You don't want anything fatal, and I right. don't mean life and death. You don't want anything so destructive, but we cushion our oh. kids from failure. And sometimes the greatest learning experience is from... When we didn't finish, yeah, we first, blew it. What could yeah, we, Let we me tell you, let, let me tell you an example. One of our really big rivals when I was coaching was Skyline High School. I remember. that's a great school, yeah, yeah. A great school. But I mean, you talk about intense rivalry, it's like BYU, Utah, SC, UCLA, right. the Dallas Cowboys, and anybody. <laughs> uh, uh, and we were playing them in a league game. Now, rugby scores are very comparable to football scores. If if you said, oh, um, Cal beat Stanford 27-10, and you didn't see the game, you have kind of an idea. Yeah, there's a few. In fact, uh, football is a break-off of rugby. The right. scoring is the right. same. We beat... Skyline forty-two to six. We beat the daylights out of it. You know, we were on the top of our game. They were in more of a building year. And I remember going into the locker room after the game, and the boys were just so excited, and they're bouncing around. It's our it's our big biggest rival, and we pounded them. That's and we're amazing. talking about. It and I said, uh, I said, fellas, congratulations, congratulations on a great league win. Tell me, tell me how how'd we play? And they said, "Well, we killed him. Yeah, I said, "Yeah, we really <laughs> did. We really beat these guys up today." Did we play our game? Did we do our best? best? Oh, and they said, "What do you What do you want?" And I well, said, "We won. We won." Yeah. And I said, "No, no, that's not what I'm asking. I, I, congratulations on a great win. Yeah. But did we?" play our game? You see, I'd always told the boys, it's not about Skyline. It's not about the other team. It's about us.
2: You're playing you. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Do we do our best? Can we walk off the field having win, lost, or tied with our head held up saying, there's nothing else I could have done. Matt, have you ever seen a team play down to the level of its competition? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so I, I finally said to them, did we play our game? And they said, well, no, we Yeah, you know, we kinda put it on cruise control in the second half. They were we knew we were gonna win. I said, Exactly. And I said, Fellas, I don't want you to I don't want to take anything away from your win. Congratulations on a great team win. But I can't begin to tell you how disappointed I am in us as a team because we did not do Mm. our best. That's great. Yeah. Now,
2: he, Even in a win, even, even in, in a win. win, we weren't our best. See,
6: in my coaching career, I saw a lot of really good players, yeah. a lot of good teams, a lot of good coaches. Matt, I only saw a few great players, great coaches, and great game plans. The biggest challenge that we have in moving from good to great is being good. Yeah. When we're good, we there isn't that what I call positive, uh, almost a righteous pressure, not a diminishing mm-hmm. pressure. Yeah, it's your highest a, self. A, a positive, building, self-fulfilling pressure to move from good to great, which is the subject of the motivational talks that I give yeah. several times a month all over the country about how do we move from good to great in a business, in a school, in a marriage, in a relationship.
2: And I guess the number one way that you just is—is is that the best way—is recognize the battle's always with yourself. It's always being your best self, yes. and then having a vision of what you want to be. Yeah,
6: you know, I, I tell the team there is a difference between losing and getting beat. Right. Losing is unacceptable. In our language, losing means I went out, and you know, I could have, I should have, I didn't. And for whatever reason, you've seen this in sports, you've seen it in academics, you've seen it in business, mm. you've seen it in marriages, where for whatever reason, you know, they say in sports, the team didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't do our best. That is unacceptable. It's humiliating because it says we didn't do our best. But there will be times in life, in business, in sports, and 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 other things Where I go out and meet an opponent, a team, a situation that is bigger, faster, stronger. Matt, there was nothing left on the field. I did everything I could. That's not losing. That's getting beat. And it it doesn't feel good. You don't like it. But you can walk off the field with your head up saying there was not one thing I Mm. couldn't do. Uh, that I didn't do, right? You know, did that? How, how about with parenting? Oh yeah. You know, kids will make their own decisions. I learned a long time ago that most good kids come from good, good families. But I've been amazed at how some really troubled families have turned out some great kids, and how some great families yeah. have had challenging kids. I learned that the measurement of parenting is not. Holy how our children turn out. They have their own freedom to choose. And they will make decisions that are sometimes simply not right. But they have a freedom to choose, particularly as they get older. I measure my parenting by my heart, my intent, my motivation, my time invested. A wise man once said that the greatest work that we will ever do is within the four walls of our home. And you've never failed until you've given up. Ah,
2: that's so true. And that's, again, it's almost like we're measuring the intangible, right? We're measuring more the will than the outcome. It's the effort
6: than the outcome. Do our children have a vision? There's the law of the price tag. Everything in life has a price tag. The greatest teacher of all time, Jesus Christ, said, what man among you... Seeking to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost. Mm-hmm. There is a price tag. You want to achieve this in academics, in business. It's true in a marriage, it's true in a family. So what is the price tag to achieve? And am I willing to do it? Maybe I'm just not willing to do it. And you know, I have to make that recognition.
2: Yeah. And do you have to lose yourself? to get something is it worth losing your character? I know character is a big thing that you teach. What's uh what's one of your most important uh strategies uh, that that you've kind of instilled? Vision is one of them you've taught
6: I, us I, about. What I what I always talked about the five championship strategies that guarantee sustainable success. First you got to start with good players. I found that the that I didn't have a bunch of Heisman trophy winners on day 1. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I'd say to the players is, uh, is I was trying to teach them horizontal leadership as opposed to vertical leadership. Mm. You know, vertical leadership, if the team is winning, it's great coaching. Yeah. If the team is losing, it's lousy, messed up players. Right. Uh, horizontal leadership, this is how I would teach it. I'd get all 200 plus in front of me and I'd say, fellas, welcome to the Highland rugby team. There is no difference between you and me. There really isn't the seventh grader, the head coach, the varsity captain, the JV player, the ninth grader. There is no difference between you and me. We are equal members of this team in terms of human dignity and respect. Hmm. Oh, but there is a difference. Totally. And the difference is our job, our responsibility. You have roles that are different. Yeah. My job is different than yours. I can't win without you. You can't win without me. And so let's work together and focus on cooperation rather than competition. I, I understand my role as coach. It's to teach, to motivate and inspire, to correct when necessary, and manage the team and manage the game. I'm yeah. very comfortable in that role. Here is your responsibilities to grow, to get better, to be a responsible person and citizen. Character matters. Now, once Huge. we have our focus... And we have good players. We're going to move to great players. I learned five championship strategies.
2: Run through them real fast. Real
6: fast. First is we, not me. Yeah. It's big team, little me. Number two, don't play with snakes. And there's a hysterical story about a kid who found – a player. Yeah. Found a rattlesnake and played with it. I know him. Yes, you do. <laughs> and – uh uh and uh, <laughs> Mike learned a hard lesson, didn't yeah, he? Exactly. And he thought, well, and I used that because he knew what it was when he picked it up. He thought, but I can play with the snake one more time and it's Don't not going to bite the snake. me. And a rattlesnake is anything in our life, our marriage, our family, our community, our business that is simply not right. There is a right and wrong in life, and I'm not talking about imposing my political, social, right. or religious views. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't take advantage of people, even if you can, even if it's legal. Yeah. So, number one is we, not me. Two, don't play with snakes. Three, hit the field running. Mm. Attitude and effort are everything. Four is expect to win. W I N. What's important? now oh, that's great what do i have to do now to get what i want tomorrow that's the law of the price tag and number five is focus on the final score in coaching we have a term called end game yeah end of the game but yeah. we call it end game what's my end game where do i want to be at the end of the game how do i have to get there
2: and build that steps. And so,
6: yeah so you ask yourself matt in your marriage in your role as a father in your role as a as a radio content and business leader, where do you want to be at the end of the game in your marriage? What is the relationship you and your wife, the most important relationship you'll ever have? What do you want? And what do you have to do now to get there? A coach has to keep his focus on the final score. And the final score is not what I am but who who I am I am who and become. then I, I wrapped that together with this mod it was our team mod it was our mission mod yeah. no regrets no regrets now no regrets doesn't mean no mistakes yeah. it means no unresolved mistakes that's great. no regrets
2: oh larry you're amazing i want to go play rugby right now that's good actually i just want to go play my life
6: right now that's awesome. Well done, Larry. Uh, website again, Columbus Travel. Well, columbusvacations.com, columbusvacations.com. But any of your listeners, you're very welcome to email me direct if you have a question or comment. Perhaps you want me to speak at yeah. your event. It's what? gelwix at net. Gelwix is G as in George, E as in Edward, L as in Larry, W as in William, I as in India, ray. Gelwix at Comcast. Love to hear from
2: you. Larry, appreciate you, my friend. You're a great man. All the best. Thank you. And everybody, go watch Forever Strong as well. Find that on Netflix. We'll take a break. Uh, Go catch up and uh, come right back to a little Coach's Corner as we wrap this up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Matt show gonna do a little coach's corner here how do we how do you do a coach's corner following one of the greatest coaches ever right but he Larry he if you notice the passion is obviously there but the foundation of this are the principles do you notice how many principles he just threw out there the law of the price tag as, as a principle, the no regrets as a principle. So much of what i found uh, that leads to success in our personal lives, in our married lives, with our families, with our friends, at work, is we've got to learn to be in the now. And we all tend to get so wrapped up, don't we, in believing that uh, it's about the outcome instead of about what we are becoming. What if you just simply realized your life is not about an accumulation of a bunch of things and titles and awards. At your at your viewing, at your funeral, there's not going to be tons of uh, awards and all your neat medallions and your degrees. How much of that will even matter versus what you've become? So one of the great things I've just learned in my life is every choice I make, and I make hundreds a day, I call them choice points. They're just avenues. They're little like intersections that will either lead me more to what I want to be or farther away. Do you know what where you're going? Do you know what type of father you want to be? Are you clear of that in your head? And then what's the most important thing I could do right now to make that happen? When I'm at work, I should be a successful, effective employee when I'm at home, I should be a successful, effective father. All of that, even though I can think about it right now, about what I need to do when I go home, it doesn't matter until I'm in the now. Right now, I'm on a radio show. I need to worry about right now. When I'm done with the show, I need to worry about what I need to be doing in that moment. And the life is made up of these little tiny steps, choice points. Hundreds of them a day eventually lead you to a day of healthy growth and progress, or a day of sliding, or you might have some regrets. So think about what Larry taught us today. Again, it's not very often that you get a coach with 415-plus wins, 419 wins, and 10 losses in varsity. That is crazy when you think about it. 10 losses in 35 years. Incredible. Incredible. And you just had a chance to sit for about 35 minutes and learn from one of the best. Also evaluate how you're coaching and being with your kids, your teens. Do you feel like you have that relationship with it, do you, with them? Do you feel that horizontal type of leadership that he was talking about? Or is it more of a hierarchy, a vertical one where you're the dad, so just do what I say? Um, do you feel like you can influence them laterally? And do they feel like they can influence you laterally? doesn't mean you need to be their friends. You're still their father. But it does mean that you can have a relationship. We can trust each other. And also just another great uh, truth that I learned from Larry is we have to attune. And by the way, that's the second time on our shows today we've talked about um, this idea, whether it was an artificial intelligence or whether it was with Larry and the coaching. At some point, I have to be tuned in to me. I have to get what's going on with me. I have to be learning in every situation how I can do it better. And if I'm focused on learning and growing and that is the value of my life, not just the tangible outcomes, but also my growth, my development, my character, my integrity, my principles, then we're getting somewhere. Folks, it's not enough to just push outcome. Eventually, you are going to handicap your kids because they're not going to know how to do it. They're not going to know how to get this happening again without help from someone else. Anyway, that's the Coach's Corner, my friends. You're the parents. Uh, You're also their guide on the side, which is what we try to be on this program. We'll take a break, come back, start a whole new hour, a whole new show We're going to get into one of the great sources possibly of uh, your, your belief system, empathy, next hour right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show. Call
0: the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
3: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your coach, Dr. Matt. Your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the tools that you need to live a healthier, happier life. Today, no exception. We've got uh, this third hour of the program. Remember, we do a three-hour show. So anytime you want, you can go, uh, if you didn't catch all the other segments because you just are listening to it right now as you're driving home, go look us up uh, on iTunes. Go check us out on TuneIn, depending on, or on really on any of your podcast apps, and just look up The Matt Townsend Show. Download our uh, our podcast, and you can listen to it anywhere you want to. You can also forward it on to your friends, your family, your neighbors, what have you. Uh, also, if you want, you can go to byuradio.org and just stream it live when you get to your office if you only have satellite uh, or Sirius Radio in your car. But uh, remember, the goal of the program is to to be giving you kind of a guidebook, a handbook to life. It's not enough to just try to survive life, uh, as we've been learning today. At some point, you want to get in, you want to learn it, you want to take it over. So we'll be talking about that a lot uh, over the next few um, minutes here. We also have a great guest coming up. Bill Mace will be joining us. And uh, Dr. Bill Mace is, is going to be talking to us about how do you know in your life what's morally right or morally wrong? You know, it's, it's not always just about a religion. It's not about having to have somebody else tell you how to do it. Uh, but Dr. Uh, Bill Mace believes it may come down to empathy. You want the fastest way to understand right and wrong. It might be being able to take the place of another and see how their life is being impacted, and that might create this sense for you of what's right or wrong. We'll be talking to him about uh, how to how to figure out your moral compass. But uh, before we do that, let's go to Kathy Aiken and find out what's going on in the headlines. Kathy,
3: well, Matt, Texas is bracing for more rain as Tropical Storm Bill is expected to make landfall today. The National Weather Service predicts parts of North Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma could get up to nine inches of rain over the next several days. Over the Memorial Day weekend, storms brought heavy flooding to Oklahoma and Texas. Storms that killed. More than 30 people. Five people are dead after an early morning balcony collapse at a Berkeley, California apartment building. At least eight others were injured. Some of those injuries are life-threatening. It's reported that all five of the deceased are Irish students in the U.S. on temporary visas. The balcony was on the fourth floor and collapsed during a birthday party. Jeb Bush made it official yesterday.
4: The presidency should not be passed on from one liberal to the next. The question for me is, what am I going to do about it? And I've decided I'm a candidate for president of the United States of America.
3: The 62-year-old Bush became the 11th GOP candidate to announce he's running for president. The former Florida governor vowed to take Washington out of the business of causing problems. We'll find out later today if Donald Trump will throw his name into the presidential ring as well. Last time, Trump talked of entering the race but backed out. This go-round, Trump is prepared to release personal finance records, reportedly having him worth $9 billion. Rachel Dolezal, the white woman who claimed she was black, resigned from her regional post with the NAACP yesterday. Dolezal's parents came forward last week to say she was lying about being African-American. Dolezal says she doesn't see herself as white, but rather identifies as black, According to a law enforcement official, Joyce Mitchell, the prison worker accused of helping two men escape 11 days ago, had an intimate relationship with one of the escapees. Mitchell was a tailoring shop instructor and befriended the man there. Mitchell appeared in court yesterday for the second time wearing a bulletproof vest. She pleaded not guilty to charges that she helped a convicted killer's escape.
1: Five to go. For the third time in six years, the black folks
3: That was NBC Sports with the call as the Chicago Blackhawks did it again, winning their third Stanley Cup title in six years. The Blackhawks shut out Tampa Bay last night, taking the series in six games. The win was the first Chicago that they won on home ice in 77 years. Duncan Keith became just the second defenseman to win the Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoff MVP. A win tonight in Cleveland in the Golden State Warriors are the NBA champs for the first time in 40 years. The Warriors lead the best of seven series, three games to two. And Matt here are a few things. I want to see if mm-hmm. your, your, your children will know what these expressions mean. Okay. okay. These are ones that we're familiar with, but yeah. not, not quite sure if the kids will get it. Okay. Hang up the phone. No, hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. Yes. You know, the long, cordy That's interesting. We would hang up the phone. What would
2: our kids think if we said, go hang up? You need to hang up that go phone. Go hang
3: up the phone. Where do I, hang, just it, push the Where do I hang it, mom? Where Second one, roll the window up. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember those manual windows? Oh, was yeah. that just now? Oh, do you remember how do we live with that? Do
2: you remember how your left arm, if you were the driver, your left arm was always bigger than your right arm? <laughs> I and was ripped on got my left that pretty, pretty
3: big, didn't it? And the do third, they still
2: have roll-up windows oh, in cars? Oh, yeah. They, well, Can you get a car with a roll-up window?
3: Uh, I don't know. I've seen used cars yeah. that say, I don't know if they make them. I wonder if a new car has that. Oh, I hope not. Boy, what would we do without them, yeah. huh? Third one. Something that, it sounds like a broken record. You know, yeah, it a sounds, like a, broken that. That sounds record. like a broken record. Your kids go, What What are you talking that? about? You know, that yeah, they, they don't what? have
2: it where it's stuck, beep, and it just yeah, keeps beep. playing <laughs> the same thing over and over and over again. See, oh, what they're I missing the out records. on.
3: Yes, I, you know, what That's I went years funny. ago, I have to tell you, to local record store. I love Christmas music, do you? So, this record store was going out of business, and I went and bought literally 50. Albums that were like a dollar each. I don't know like what they were be worth Cross, today. Crosby oh, Christmas kind of stuff. Johnny Mathis, one of my favorites. Burl yeah. lives. Yeah, I have a Burt lives. Yeah, of the Carpenters. You do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, these are classics. They're was great. there yeah. a
2: Carpenters Christmas? Oh, that would. Yeah, be wasn't that the
3: best? Yeah, I think that was a two-record. I think two I was
2: record. in love with Carpenter,
3: Karen Carpenter, uh-huh.
2: and uh, Captain and Tennille.
3: Love. Oh, muskrat love. Muskrat yeah, yeah. Love.
2: I never knew what a muskrat was. <laughs> But then when I found out, I'm like, I don't think I want to know about their love.
3: You know, I was telling my boys the lyrics to that and they were like, that is the worst song. Those are, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've ever we heard. We lived
2: through a really interesting era because <laughs> my sisters all had long hair uh-huh. and they loved Chicago and Bread and Foreigner and Journey. All of these bands, and they'd hold me down. I remember this vividly. In fact, I still hate hair because of it. They'd hold me down, and they'd hold my arms down, and then they'd brush their long hair across my face. face. That drove you crazy. That's why my, I make my wife shave her head.
3: That's it's, why she's bald?
2: She's bald. Okay. And she doesn't even have to be. Um, isn't that interesting? Oh, that brings back memories. Hang up the phone. Hang I remember phone. I could just sit there because they were on a cord. My sister couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So she'd go in the closet. I guess that's where the phrase "get out of the closet, come out of the closet." No, I don't think that's, I don't it, think that's but, where it started. No, well, <laughs> but she had to go in the closet to have a private conversation. Mm-hmm. That's and the she had only the place cord you can right. didn't yeah But then I could always just go hang up on her because mm-hmm. I had it was you way know. over there. Or I would just go dial the phone, and that was her knowing. Okay, she's got to either Time's kill up. me or get off the phone.
3: You know, in the push when we got to the push button, we thought we'd really come yeah. far. Do you You that? know, from dialing, yeah. putting your finger in the hole. Yeah. Yeah, and i hitting the buttons like, "Wow, this is great." Do you
2: remember when someone else would get on the other line and they'd be you'd be like, "Mom, get off the phone." Get off phone. the
3: phone. You could hear it. That's right. Yeah, I remember trying to do that with my boys when they were on the phone with girls and I'd be up there. I don't I can't remember how I tried to do it, but they got me every time. Yeah. Oh, oh shoot. I, I'm sorry. I didn't days. know you were on the phone.
2: <laughs> See that? A little a little walk down memory lane memory lane. Yeah. Memory lane right there.
3: And, you know. Get off the phone. Show your kids a real record one of these days so they know Seriously, what Seriously, pull out the vinyls.
2: Yeah. And if you need some, Kathy has a million of them.
3: She's... Only Christmas, only Christmas. Oh, wait a minute! I do have a Kenny Loggins. Oh, of course, love you do. Kenny Loggins. I do have one of his. That's always some and the, mood Doobie music. That's, and the Doobie Brothers. And the Doobie Brothers. The
2: Doobies. And the Beach Boys were really big at our house.
3: Yeah, not never liked mm. the, the Beach Boys, Earth Wind and Fire. Oh man.
2: Yeah. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Good times. Kathy Aiken, thanks so much. Hey, we are going to take a break. Come back. Dr. Bill Mace will be joining us. He is going to be discussing how you find your moral compass. You know, everybody's got it. It's in each of us. He's going to give us some keys to how maybe being empathic and having empathy may lead you to your moral compass. How to know what's morally right or wrong. It's such an interesting thing. By the way, last hour we talked with uh, with uh, Larry Gelwicks all about kids need to figure that out, and parents. It might be one of the great things you want to teach. Your kids, your grandkids, your family, your friends, and maybe just check your own. Where's your moral compass? Up next, this is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show. Have you ever heard of uh, the just the, the basic concept of a moral compass? And do you believe you've got one? Do you believe inside of you, you've got a moral compass that guides you, that leads you, that kind of tells you what's right or wrong? And where do you think you get it? Where do you think you get this moral compass that maybe drives you to feel a little guilty when you do something that's hurtful or... That makes you feel uh you know fear or not fear but kind of uh, unsettled about something you 've done we've we 've asked Dr. Bill Mays to join us. He is a clinical psychologist, a neuropsychologist a metal, medical sociologist, and he suggests that the moral compass may be coming not just from your church, not just from your parents, but there might be something else going on that might be guiding this uh, this compass. We, we read an article that he wrote on psychology today, and, uh, we've asked him to be here with us. Dr. Bill Mace, welcome to the Matt Townsend show. Yeah. yeah thanks, Matt. Great to have you here. What, uh, what's your guess? What, what do you think is really going on? Where is the mor- moral compass? What's driving it? What's creating it inside of us?
4: Uh, the moral compass. Um, well, uh, I think that we uh, are presented with several choices and, uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, let's put it this way: uh, empathy. I think is, is the most important thing. Yeah,
2: and empathy, was, you think, is kind of driving the 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 right or wrong uh, decision. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, it,
4: well, in a, in a, um, when it comes down to it, what is the right or wrong? It's all about winning, hmm. and uh, whatever they cost. Uh, there's those who believe it's not whether you win or lose, but it's how you play the game. Yeah. If if one can be found. Uh, are looked upon as losers. Whether it's in sports, politics, or finance, the most cunning and nefarious are the winners, as you know. Yeah, so We admire and celebrate the winners, not the losers.
2: Yeah, so- you don't have the losing coach on. We just had one of the greatest rugby coaches of all time on our show last hour, and we wouldn't have had him on if he was the losingest coach of all time.
4: <laughs> yeah. So So anyway, so what's it all about? Do we choose a high moral standard and stick to it? Regardless of being taken advantage of by others, or do we discard our standards and do what we have to do to win, hmm. uh, or uh, do we retreat into our solitude and, and refuse to play the game?
2: It's, it's yeah, it, so, it's a fight or flight or or freeze kind of, isn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah, right. So I think we're all faced with this, and, and uh, the, the um, but I think that we can all be winners, uh, and yet not engage with those who would take unfair advantage of us. Uh, we don't have to sit back and excuse them for what we consider nefarious conduct, but we'll be ahead in the long run if we can take responsibility for our own behavior and uh, not judge us or others by the path that they've taken.
2: What What does all of this have to do with empathy?
4: Well, uh, I think that uh, trying to empathize with those who uh, 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 we... We don't agree with, and or who we uh, are so prone to blame. Uh, uh, I think that that's what the big problem is, and I think that's the driving force that uh, creates all the unhappiness in us. Well, not all, but yeah,
2: but a lot of a, it. Lot, of, a lot of the
4: unhappiness is it is blame others, and, and we all seem to be sort of self righteous and and, uh, and uh, uh, think that we're better than others, and we. Take advantage of them uh, because they are. We consider them insignificant.
2: So, so we seem to use our energy to kind of blame, to justify, to maybe tear people down instead yeah. of understanding and and getting into their mind and trying to understand how they well, would feel put, to if do you that.
4: Put yourself in somebody else's place. Yeah. I, mean, I don't mean just. I mean, be
2: nice. Yeah,
4: you're just you feel like you grew up in their shoes and mm-hmm. then see the world from their point of view and, and the things that have happened to them in the past and how they came about to get the way they are. Well, then you couldn't be hostile to that person because you'd be identifying with them. Right? You, you, you can't hurt yourself. You wouldn't want to hurt your those that you identify with because you're hurting yourself.
2: So I don't true know if I'm clear, but no, but, but you're true. It's true. I mean, uh, I just heard in the news, they're talking about those prisoners that escaped in from the New York prison. Right. And, and there was a woman named Joyce Mitchell that they believe helped them. And mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, a lot of people are absolutely frustrated and and not and hating her today because of that. And mm-hmm. And yet in a weird way, we could also try to show it doesn't mean you have to agree with her. And, and but it, it, you could get into the mind of a female and find out or, uh, the female lady that was working in this clothing shop with these two convicts. And uh-huh. you might be able to try to understand how she got played, how she uh-huh. what would lead her to be attracted to criminals um, and, I mean, you could try to get in that space, and what would that do for us, Bill, if we did do that?
4: Well, then we wouldn't hate her. We wouldn't uh, – We. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the, uh, people like the word, but I, I, I would uh, not hold her uh, – I would hold her accountable. Yeah. I, I think that people have to take responsibility for themselves. Sure. And, and, uh, but you'd understand
2: and, more.
4: Yeah, but – but but I wouldn't, uh, 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 in a sense, blame her either, Right. Uh, because blame has a different connotation than, than being responsible for your behavior. Blame is something that we uh, are so prone to do. I mean, I drive uh, up the street, and I see uh, these car stickers on the back of some of the cars, and they are... For this or for that or the other cause, and they're so angry, I mean people just seem to <laughs> mm. uh, I mean, you know what's it all about? Why are people so doggone angry
5: yeah and
4: uh and, and that really uh and I think that the the anger you say, what drives people? anger will drive them quicker than anything else that I know of not, yeah. not love
2: that anger's a real thing, isn't it because it's it's it just might be we're unsettled with our own selves. We're not in a space of peace. Um, You Mm -hmm. tell a story in the article that we've been reading in Psychology Mm -hmm. Today about Art, a 24-year-old ex-Marine who Mm -hmm. fought the rebels in El Salvador. Tell us that story, because that's a pretty good story that not having empathy ends up eventually being your curse. Right, right.
4: Uh, Yeah. Um, Well, years ago, uh, I I, I ran into Art, and and he was uh, referred to me and and, uh, uh, and he uh, was complaining about uh, uh, having been discharged from uh, the military he was in the Marines down in El salvador and uh, he, uh his, his complaint was was that uh, uh, that he did the dirty work and and, and yet he got uh, removed from the service and discharged and and uh, and what he missed most was uh, his Comrades, uh, because now he was alone and depressed and, and on drugs, and um, and and I uh, and I said, "Well, what else do you miss?" And he said, "It was the high that he got from uh, uh, hovering over uh, in helicopters and, and just shooting oh. uh, 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 these Indians, and they run this way and run that way, oh, and they just heavens. laugh and have such a great time." And it was, boy, it was that dark. Yeah, I mean, that's really that's really the dark side of us. And uh, so I, I started to question them and ask, well, how did he get this way? I mean, you know, where did it all arise? Well, Anyway, I think that he's uh, had a problem. Uh, I think his dad died when he was early on, and um, and uh, and he joined the Boy Scouts, and and the Boy Scout leader really took to him because he was fatherless, and and he took to the Boy Scout leader, and and the scout leader had some pretty strong views on, uh, at the time, uh, was communism was our big fear in mm-hmm. this country. And, and, uh, so, uh, so he, uh, when he, he got out of high school, he uh, joined the Marines and went down to, uh, keep the communists from taking over, uh, uh, El Salvador. I don't know what do we believe that they were doing down there and, uh, uh, and uh, other places in Latin America. So anyway, uh, uh, uh it was pretty big in the news at the time the, the threat of communism right. uh, which is not there today and uh so anyway uh uh and, and so uh, but now he's back home and he's having all uh, uh uptight uh, depressed uh, almost suicidal he doesn't know what he's mm. doing and um so anyway i started talking to him and figured, well, um, if he could empathize with with the other people uh, that that he was uh, wasting away, that's the term that you use when you uh, kill others, uh, why uh, uh, he'd be the better for it. So uh, I I started talking to him, and I said, well, you know those Indian kids that you were machine gunning, they uh, were brought up to... Hate us like we hate communism and, and and they were just doing what their boy scouts were uh, boy scout leaders were telling them to do right. they didn't know a damn thing about uh communism and and no more than uh than we know yeah and so uh and, and and uh and so uh he started to be interested because he was able to identify with uh those that he was uh shooting and uh hmm. Uh, And I think that that was the the, what turned the whole thing around. Then he began to see that he was destroying himself because he was destroying those that he identified with. Yeah. And and at that point, uh, I I uh, I knew that uh, I was successful in in helping him make the turn. And and um, and uh, so that and he was not that he wasn't stupid at all. Right. He was pretty bright. And and so I advised him to go into social work or something like that, and and, uh, make uh, you know try to uh, do good for humanity instead of vice
2: versa. But it really is I think I think it's a great example to all of us that you know we can dehumanize everybody around us, but in the end you can't dehumanize everybody without becoming less human. And, yeah, and
4: we, we dehumanize ourselves, yeah we dehumanize others,
2: right, right, and then at some and, point uh, you have to, and then the 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 mere fact he needed to medicate mm-hmm. was just a sign that he was so far from who he is, so when we empathize with others it 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 probably heightens our ability to be a human and to um and to, to be able to reach out and, and reach our best self. Help us we we've got to take a we've got a we've gotta go, Bill, but give us give us about we got about twenty seconds. What would you say is the is is the fastest way to get empathy for another? The
4: fastest way to get empathy for another is um well um to talk to them and listen to them and and under, uh try to understand the, the the path that they've taken is uh you know but would be the path that we would have taken ourselves had mm-hmm. we not taken the path that we did take yeah uh, i mean it's all uh uh it's all like a, a throwing the dice is a, a, you, you can't claim credit for uh having made a choice uh that uh when you're limited and and uh To make the choices, so I think we're all limited in in the choices we can make, but uh, we just do the best we can.
2: Yeah, and we're all one um, step away from from being just like art if we're not careful. I appreciate it, Dr. Bill Mace. Again, thank you so much, and thank you for uh, your article in Psychology Today. I do recommend everybody go look that up if you want to understand a little bit more how to, uh, to find peace in your own life and empathy for others. We'll take a break. When we come back, do a quick little Coach's Corner. I've got some other tools, some other ideas to, uh, to help you take the place of other to help you be able to see others' uh, perspectives on things. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break. To the Matt Townsend Show. You know, one of the things I find when I'm coaching uh, couples is the the ability to give your partner the benefit of the doubt, or I call it just take the high road with another human being. It happens, it's probably, really honestly, it's probably a lost art. Uh, I don't think we do it, we don't do it very well as human beings. In fact, it's probably against our nature, as uh, Dr. Mace was teaching us, we... We don't necessarily want to to think of others as like us, so we differentiate ourselves. So we drive crazy uh, on the road because, you know, we, we had something happen in the car. My child spilled a drink, so that's why I was a little out of control for a minute. But when someone else does it, they're an evil spawn of darkness trying to run you off the road as they're on their way to a meth deal. Right. We just make up a bunch of stuff and none of it matters because I'm angry because they almost hit me and I'm hijacked emotionally. And so all of this makes sense. They're just evil and I attribute evil to them. But the funny thing about it is whatever the attribution is, if I if I make them evil or mean or bad or just stupid or dumb or whatever it is, I make myself feel what I feel. So my anger is coming from the fact that. I had an emotional reaction because their car came over into my lane and we almost hit and that got me chemically charged. And then I quickly interpret negative to make sense of this negative information. And then I stay negative. And then I go to the party that I was on the way to. And then I've got to tell everybody when I'm there about this idiot drug dealer that almost ran me off the road. And then everyone in the room is like, oh, I've had a drug dealer run me off the road. And then I've just spread the negativity. So why we need to probably further empathy in our lives may not have anything to do with anyone else in our lives. If you want the selfish answer of empathy, I would learn to take the place of other simply so you don't have to suffer for the rest of the night because of something that someone else said or did. We take empathy, and the fastest way I've ever seen to do it is, why would—just ask yourself a question, a reflective question. Why would— and then choose five positive words. You know, remember, you don't even know this person on the road. So, why would a decent, smart, caring, nice person cross over into my lane? And then answer it. What we normally think is why would an evil, demonic, dark, horrible spawn of darkness do that? And the minute you're already asking the questions about the negative reasons, you're going to skew the data negative, which means you're going to skew the feelings negative, which means you're going to skew the actions negative. And in general, you're skewed, right? It's all downhill. If you want to change it, you got to start with your interpretation. Why would a decent, caring, smart fellow driver go into my lane? Medical emergency. Their child's choking on a nugget. Um, mechanical emergency. They didn't know. They fell asleep. They weren't paying attention. Doesn't mean I shouldn't call the cops. Doesn't mean I shouldn't do something. But it would change the fact. I once had a guy um, that uh, I was giving an example like this in my class. And I said, why would a decent, caring fellow driver do such a thing? And they raised their hand in the back of the um in the back of the room and I I called on them and they said, they're probably doing it because their child is having a seizure and is dying in their arms as they're on the way to the hospital. Just like our child died in our arms on the way to the hospital. Huh? That changes things, doesn't it? If somebody just almost cut you off on the freeway, but you knew that they were rushing to the hospital with their dying child, that would probably, you'd be okay. You know, you're not going to be as big of a jerk about it. That's to me called empathy. Now you have more information and it changes how you feel. And now we just are worried that and hope that they get there okay. Does it justify them cutting me off? Absolutely not. We're not here to justify it. They shouldn't cut you off. But boy, if they're going to cut you off and they're doing it because they're trying to get to the hospital, you just you just get out of the way, right? Yeah, but what if they're doing drugs and it's, well, you actually don't know, right? You don't know because you're not in their car. And one of the funny things that I'd always remember is none of us actually ever really know. We don't know why people are doing what they're doing. We don't know. Why would, why would Joyce Mitchell help two life sentence murderers out get out of prison? Well, because she's probably broken. And that's not trying to be negative. It's just real. She's hurting. And she was taken advantage of it, believe it or not, by two felons. And she's probably that needy and that weak. And she probably might be really naive and not fully understand the impact of what they could do. She might be desperate for attention or affection. And these guys may have been giving it to her. We don't know. Doesn't mean she shouldn't go to jail. Doesn't mean she shouldn't be charged. But when you're dealing with a lot of people in your life, you know, at some point, a little understanding goes a long way, especially for you. Because it changes your feelings. Doesn't change the situation in New York, but it will change how I feel about it. It's sad. It's tragic. But that's what criminals do. They take advantage of sad, tragic, pathetic people. Anyway, that's the Coach's Corner. Make sense? Let's learn to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Ask the simple question, why would I, insert five positive words, do such a thing. Why would a loving, decent, caring, amazing, wonderful spouse not communicate very well with you? Cuz they're struggling. We'll take a break, my friends. When we come back, we'll go check in with our good friends down at uh, BYU Sports Nation and uh, see what's going on on their show at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show. A little earth, wind, and fire for my BYU Sports Nation friends. Uh, let's let's bump on down there. Jerem and Brian Logan, how are you, my friends? Holler! Holler!
1: Earth, wind, and fire. Legit. Do you like them? Yes, a lot. Did, yes.
2: Were you tapping your Seriously. toes? I do, too. Yeah,
1: Brian said, I can, get, I can get jiggy with this. I can get jiggy to this.
2: <laughs> this, was, uh, this was a flashback to my childhood with my sisters. Mine, mine too. Do you remember that, Brian? Just just hanging out, singing a little Earth, Wind, and Fire, lip-syncing it into like a hairbrush?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, my my grandmother uh, would just always play Earth, Wind, and Fire. Your uh, grandmother. Uh, oh, yeah, the best. So, Thanks. Kind of Thanks. A little bit. I, Thanks, Bri. I, I'm
5: just saying, I, saw, I remember from my childhood. I know, too.
2: but your grandma. I mean, that means I could be your grandpa. Uh,
5: You know, if... The shoe fits, you know, just race them all up.
2: Yeah, you do have a lot of my physical features. <laughs> that, that, that strong chin, broad oh, shoulders.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I've kind of been out in the sun a little bit longer than you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you do look hot, though. Hey, uh, guys, um, I don't I'm know if you heard. Hey, I, are you feeling awkward? <laughs> Here's what I need to know, because fill me in. As a sports uh, fan, I actually am a huge sports fan, not a hockey
1: fan. But the Blackhawks, what do you know? That well, they're the Stanley Cup champs, and they've won three of the last six. Is, I'm just going to let Jerem take this Because
2: I don't know much about hockey. Jerem, are you a big hockey guy?
1: No. So but I like sports. I'm trumping so you. I, I watched most of the game. Did you? Especially the last ten minutes. Yeah. Because any time a uh, champion is, crowned, is yeah. it's a cool moment. Yeah, right? that's way it's cool. It's a cool moment for a city, cool moment, moment for that group. The Stanley, uh, hockey has a unique place in sports, especially in the United States, because... They have the most important trophy. The stand, why? Because it travels. It just has tradition. Well, I I think there's unlike more... the other trophies. Like, tell me the name of the trophy in basketball. The, Larry O'Brien. No one. Who's Larry no, O'Brien? I don't a, know. Nobody has that. Tell me the name of the trophy for the Super Bowl. Yeah. NFL Super Bowl. Vince Lombardi also. Trophy. But I I don't know if there's a name for Major League Baseball. The trophies don't matter, but their trophy matters. It's this. It's the holy grail of sports, you know? So well, it's this cool experience to see it come out. It, and they were playing music in the United Center last night in Chicago, uh-huh. and everyone stopped talking, like this reverence for the it was, trophy. Oh, it's interesting.
2: It came out. I think that trophy, though, has more hernias per trophy than any other trophy. Because <laughs> when you watch these guys lift that thing over their head, you're oh like, someone's going to die. Because you can almost see the bulge of his hernia coming out of his gut.
1: It's 35 pounds. Oh, is that Ooh. all? Yeah, and that's there's heavy. One Still, thirty-five tonight. pounds over your head. Over your head, skating around line. and skating.
2: No less. <laughs> that's cool. So uh, tonight, I don't know if you heard. There's also another story going on tonight. Something, uh, something with the Warriors and the Cavs.
1: That is, oh, that is yeah. true. Yeah, any, is, those it, are two battle mascots, right?
2: Right, right. Yeah, Cavaliers this, and Warriors. and the Warriors.
1: Yeah, it's it's big time. Game six in Cleveland. Uh, must win for Cleveland. Yeah. To push it to seven, which would be Friday night. I've already booked in uh, Friday night game seven. I think Cleveland wins tonight. Although I've been going for the Warriors, they finally figured out uh, how to push the tempo. Yeah, go small ball. Go small ball. And make the Cav- Cavaliers pay. The Cavaliers got tired. They only played that's, two guys off the bench. That's what it is.
2: You can't. You're wearing them out, right? So by the third quarter, you're they're pooped.
1: And it was the fourth mm. quarter. It was a close game. I think with seven or eight minutes left, yeah, so that's true. Game, that's where they broke it open.
2: But like somebody like Bogut doesn't even get in. He he was a great. He's a great center, one of the best, and he's not even playing in the finals.
1: He's a starter.
2: It's amazing.
1: Yeah, former uh, former BYU basketball operations guy Cody Feeger, who's now at Utah Valley University, he's good friends with Andrew Bogut. I believe that he's gone to all the home games in Oakland.
2: Has he really? That's cool. Because
1: He's getting hooked up with tickets. Well, I'm I'm like, share
2: dude, the joy. Share the joy.
1: Yeah, I see all my friends on on like social media, Twitter and Instagram. And friends don't. from the Bay Area. So I'm from the oh, Bay Area. Um, how cool! Not, not Oakland though. And um, <laughs> okay. so uh, should, make that I clear. Not, no. Oakland. not Oakland. Not Oakland. Nope.
2: <laughs> hey, what do you think? Do you think LeBron should be the MVP if he doesn't win?
1: Yes, I think so too. And it's only happened one other time, Rick Barry with the Warriors, actually in 1975. Hmm. So it'd, it'd be it'd be different. It depends if he has a triple double and 40 tonight then there's a chance yeah. he could be the MVP on the losing team.
2: That would be historic. That would be I cool. don't think
1: it's going to happen, though. Who, who, would you get, who else would you give it Steph to? Curry would Steph go. Curry. Yeah. Steph Curry. Just because. Yes. Just, and if, if, the if he game. has another good game, if he has another like, high 20s, 30s. But
2: he, he is making Delavadova. This is fun for BYU fans.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just Della seeing Vidova him diving all, all over. Publicity, it's like, come on, I man. I like that. Under, he's what we he's what we wished, you know, Jim had done. He's yeah. what we wish Tyler Haas does, which the NBA drafts next week, by the way, uh-huh. which is undrafted. Tyler Haas was probably going to be undrafted, but still make it in the league and have an impact. And Della Vadova's done it because he plays good defense. That's, That's right. how he scored That's twenty it. in game two, but he play, or game three, but he played great defense. That's defense cool. Something we haven't seen in a while here.
2: You guys, uh, you guys gonna still do your BYU show today?
1: Um, no, uh, we will now.
2: What, what's, yeah. some, what's, what's coming up on your show? I mean, have you guys prepared for it, or are you just going to wing it?
1: Um, with Spencer gone. You just well, Spencer's wing it. gone, so we've kind of mailed it in. But, have you just uh, mailed it in? <laughs> we have a lot of stamps while he's gone. Um, we, we're going to talk about who is BYU's best player, football player at his position nationally. Huh. Phil Steele just came out with his college football preview. He kind of has the, the Bible of uh, college football preseason magazines. And he only has one BYU player listed among the top Players nationally at their really? uh, at their positions. We'll tell you who that okay. is coming up. So we'll we'll win on this as well. Also, there's a West Coast Conference expansion rumor. The what? Saint, Saint Mary's head coach said that he thinks it's only a matter of time before Grand Canyon University joins the West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. Grand Canyon. Phoenix. Grand yeah. Canyon. You remember Dan Marley from the Phoenix Suns yeah, in yeah. the nineties? He's the head coach of that team.
2: Oh, he's a stud. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So but, that's that's weird.
2: Hold on. That's is that kind of like the University of Phoenix?
1: <laughs> no, no, but that is a uh, pending joke on our show. I yes. bet <laughs> it is. That.
2: Be careful because you're going to set them up to hate you, and then they're going to come and do something crazy. I don't
1: care. He hates me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to tell you our uh, want to be West Coast Conference expansion. Uh, oh,
2: okay. Because I'm going to go Stevens Henniger. <laughs>
1: Dallas, Roberts, Dallas Hair Roberts Academy.
2: Yeah. And the LDS Business College. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they got some ballers at uh, LDSBC, as That's they call it. just sad.
2: For all you national folks, those are just uh, some local. Like,
1: uh, who? What?
2: Local. local no, we're going to tell
1: you one in each state west of Utah.
2: Cool. So you're going to actually build your own WCC. <laughs> we're going to yeah.
1: build the. The alternate division.
2: That's cool. Well, that's a great show. And and Spencer is he out all week?
1: He's out all week, all week.
2: Is yep. he calling anything in? He needs to be phoning in and doing like some live remote.
1: Nope. Okay. He's. I mean, he said that he we was don't want to hear from him. On yeah, let him go. Vacation, yeah. meaning that he wasn't going to even listen in to the show. That's uh, you know. Yeah, I. We don't want to talk to him. Some people are dedicated. We don't see his face yeah. or hear from him for some... a whole week. Nope. Nope. he'll be back next week.
2: Well, guys, have a great show as always.
1: Thanks, Maddie. Thank you. You're
2: the week. best. Be good. Hey, uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. It's I didn't – 35-pound trophy. We don't even have a trophy for this show. So I'm hoping that James – James is going to be taking a little sabbatical from the show. Uh, but while he's out, he's going to go figure out a trophy for us. James is into advertising and graphic design. James, will you get on the creation of a trophy for us?
1: I'm actually taking the sabbatical so I can make the trophy. Really? Yeah.
2: I want it to be about 35 pounds. And I want it to be a fine metal, okay. like a platinum, titanium. Well, we've already gotten a platinum. We, we do have a platinum award. We do
1: have a pl- It's not made out of platinum. It's actually
2: made out of paper.
1: Yeah. It's a paper platinum award.
2: It's not even the color platinum. No. It's blue. Blue. Yeah, that was kind
1: of low budge. Maybe it's platinum blue. Maybe that could be the technical name for it. I don't think it is. Oh. It's just maybe it's a platinum
2: blue. Um, okay, so James, get on that, will you? I want a nice trophy.
1: Yeah. Something heavy. It, it will be heavy.
2: And then we could, just, we could etch in all of our student producers' names as they are on the...
1: I was thinking of possibly making a throne out of <gasps> iron.
2: Iron throne.
1: Yeah. That would be fantastic.
2: Yeah. Okay. It, it could be really cool. I think but it's on. going to take a long time. Well, I make. think you're on the right track. Yeah. Iron throne and a platinum trophy. Excellent. Hey, uh, did you hear the story about the woman who set off the hospital ER sprinkler system because she was so sick of waiting? Which, by the way, she was probably in the hospital because she was sick. Uh, A North Carolina woman who got tired of waiting in the hospital emergency room allegedly held a lighter up to one of its sprinklers, flooding the room with about a half an inch of water. Caitlin Milligan, 20, told police that she'd been waiting in the ER at the hospital in Morgantown, North Carolina, for about two hours As a relative got treated for a back problem, once she felt she couldn't wait any longer, she went into a bathroom, turned over a trash can, stood on it, and put a lighter to the sprinkler for at least a minute, police said. She's been charged with burning personal property, damage to personal property, and molesting a fire extinguishing system. She's out on bail for five grand. Now, it seems to me that that wasn't very smart. Because the minute you start ruining the fire extinguishing system, you are then delaying your time in the emergency room. It only seems obvious to me, but again, I wasn't waiting for two hours. Hey uh folks, that's the show you know that's the show. We always uh try to give you a bunch of tools and ideas throughout the show i we've we've touched them all from uh, from artificial intelligence to emotional intelligence and empathy and then the great lessons about coaching and leading your family your children to a healthier better life Uh, on the program we can't do it for you right so just answer the simple question what's the most important thing you need to be doing in your life to make a difference with the people in your life who do you really want to be not what do you want out of life Uh, Larry Gelwix, uh, a great rugby coach that was on in the second hour of our program, taught us we need to be asking ourselves who we want to be. In the end of it all, when all is said and done, who do we want to be? What characteristics, what traits, what values, what beliefs do we want to be a part of our life? And if we know that, then we can start to build the steps, the plan to get us where we want to go. So I'm just going to leave you with that challenge, a little coach's challenge for you. Where do you need to make a change in your life? Doesn't need to be a big one. Could just be a simple little idea, something that you know you need to do better. And uh, I'm just going to challenge you to go and do it. In the end, it's not about having the most stuff. It's not about having all the degrees, all of the ideas, the the money, the cars. In the end, at your funeral, they're not going to be lining up all the cars for your for the eulogy. <laughs> In the end, they're going to be lining up the people and the relationships, and we're either going to be good at that and have done what we needed to do or we're not. So my challenge to you is go make it happen. Go and do. That's the show, my friends. Again, we're here every Monday through Friday, uh, 9 to noon Eastern time. We can't do the show without you, so tune on in or find us on our podcast on iTunes or tune in. And uh, remember, until tomorrow, go make it a great one. Take care.